Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and tonight I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing, man? Great. Yeah, it's another Friday. Another Friday, <laughs> because we seem to, to always record on this date, and yeah. uh, hopefully you guys will always be listening to it uh, Monday morning if we can keep this, this schedule in check moving forward. Um, but last episode was a good time. We talked about Pokemon, and uh, you know, funny enough, this is kind of off the cuff, before we get into our agenda for tonight, Ryan, I want to ask you... Oh no, I'm not prepared for this. I know you are, <laughs> and I, I wanted to make you uncomfortable by asking it, so... What do you think of the new Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee edition coming out for Switch in the fall? Yeah, I was going to rant about that. Oh, really? Actually. Okay. Yeah. Had, okay, go for it. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of Pokemon Go. Also, I mean, mostly because I didn't have the data on my phone to explore. Um, but I don't know why you need it for a Switch. I, I want a new Pokemon game where I can sit down in the comfort of my own home without having to explore. Yeah, no, I felt the same way, and... Um, Air conditioning is amazing. <laughs> it is. It is. No, yeah. when I um, I mean Pokemon Go. I actually didn't have a smartphone at the time. I I just started my job and I didn't get a smartphone until I had my first RL job. And so at the that was like literally at the cusp of Pokemon Go's release. And I remember being at training for work and and everyone else, Pokemon. Right? Ev- well, everyone else around me had their their phones playing it while we were in training, and I was the only one because my phone hadn't shipped yet. Um, so I wasn't really caught up in the hype. I played it kind of after the fact, after people stopped kind of walking all over campus and everything. Um, but that said, even when I did play it, I really was not overly fond of it. I felt like it was a very simplified, dumbed-down version of Pokemon. We well, had to buy Pokeballs, or you had to walk around to get Pokeballs. Yeah, and, and you know... And the, the whole pay-to... Not pay-to-win. I mean, but, you can yeah. walk around and get stuff so you don't have to, but it's yeah. those microtransactions that kill me. If, yeah. Like, Ruby version had microtransactions. Oh, my gosh. I'd be a very poor man. Yeah, I'm aware, because Star Wars already just wrecked your bank account. Whoa. Galaxy of Heroes. <laughs> Spoilers. Bringing up <laughs> past beef. Yeah. Um, but no, so I didn't really enjoy my time with Pokemon Go, and I feel like this was essentially because Pokemon Go has been out for a, almost two years now, I think. Apparently there are a lot of problems, though, with the servers. Um, they had, like, a Pokemon Go kind of convention in yeah. like Chicago or something, and then no one could catch stuff because all the servers were down. Yeah, but my point being with like Pokemon Go is that the developers at Niantic, and I don't think Nintendo was ever necessarily on board with development, but Niantic was the people who kind of developed the game. They weren't releasing stuff quick enough. I, I don't think they released the second generation of Pokemon for like a year. Um, I feel like if they like every three months were releasing patches, um, it might have been more fun. But... Just the appeal of going out and catching Pokemon with not having battles and, and, and necessarily gyms and stuff like that, again, just doesn't appeal to me. So when I, I when I saw this trailer for Pokemon Let's Go, you know, I, I went in with zero expectations and I walked out basically just saying it's great for Pokemon Go fans, but yeah. it's not for me. I think it's it's amazing that you get to go around Kanto, but when I saw them walking up to Pokemon in the wild, and it's funny because one of the things that you and I were talking about that we want to see in the Pokemon Go RPG is that you see the Pokemon in the wild. Yeah. And then the trailer, that's what they were... They saw the Pokemon, they saw I them like in a ran. that handheld ball, or the Pokeball that you could see yourself catch. It's kind of similar I've to, like... I've always wanted a Pokeball. Yeah. I've actually... 
I was trying to pick up metal clergy to like buy half spheres to figure out how you could weld them together and then have like a, a spring mechanism that you could open up the Pokeball. Um, but the only places that I could find metal half spheres that would kind of represent a Pokeball were in like, it was like industrial grade. So you had to buy thousands of them. And I was like, crap, do I really need a thousand Pokeballs? So, yeah. and then, yeah, anvils are expensive and then I don't have like an iron furnace. So yeah, I don't either. And I never did that. <clears throat> I did look into it though. <laughs> of course you did. You looked into a lightsaber building too. Um, yeah. but getting back to my point, he interrupts me quite a bit. Um, what I was going to say is that last episode we were talking about being able to see Pokemon in the wild, and uh, you can do that in this game. You see them in the wild, you walk up to your Nidoran, and you, you catch them, but what really just um, makes me not really want to buy this day one or even at all is just the fact that you really don't battle them. You just sim to Pokemon Go, you, you know... Move You're your finger on the screen. collectathons, though. Weren't you ranting about that last time? Yeah, but this is different. This is Pokemon. If I want to play Jack and Daxter, if I want to play a Banjo-Kazooie game, I'll go where I just walk up to something and collect it. But this is something... What, imprisoning creatures isn't your thing? <laughs> no, it's not. I like to battle them and beat them and then, uh, you know, you beat them battle them and beat them. Poison them and, you know, beat them to a then bloody pulp. stick them in a computer. stick them in a computer. Yeah, no, we are Thanks, all... We are pro-animal rights here. No, but... Let's or Pokemon Let's Go is just not for me. I think it's it's adorable. I think the graphical style is great. To have like a um, you know ground up remaking of the Kanto region is fantastic. Um, but kind of taking out one of the best aspects of Pokemon, which is battling them and capturing them. Well, I mean, I think there are gym locations in Pokemon Go. I think there are. Right? I think there are. But it, it's a weird setup. Like, someone who's super overpowered could just place their Pokemon and then people who start off yeah. the bat. I mean, the bottom line, it's it's just very simplified. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not... Yeah, if I want to battle you or... Yeah, like, I'd rather just honestly play Pokemon Stadium or link our 3DSs up and play that way. It's yeah. I just don't have... Um, uh, any desire to really get it. So, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people on Twitter or at least seen impressions and people are happy. So I'm happy for them, you know, but for me, just not for me. Yeah, so, not my cup of tea. Um, the good thing <clears> is that <throat> Nintendo has clarified, though, that they do have a planned Switch traditional RPG planned for fall of next year. So I'm hoping that we get to see that at E3 this year, but mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll get to talk about that here soon. Yeah. Uh, any more impressions on Pokemon Let's Go? No, let's go on to the next thing. Let's go on to the next thing. So we, per usual, Ryan's breaking or dropping the pun jokes, but um, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing recently, so why don't you kick it off, man? Yeah, so um, I've been playing Minecraft a bit just to kind of mindlessly punch trees and uh, build a house after work. I love doing punching them trees. (laughs) Well, we were actually gone at a cabin this Mm -hmm. week, and so I I started Lords of Fallen before I left, Mm. and... I, I think I beat three bosses. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, the one with the giant troll thing with the scythe. Yeah, is that the one where he, like, one shoots KOs all those, you? yeah, blue shard things? Yeah. yeah, not a fun boss. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really kind of almost WoW-style armor, just over-accentuated, mm-hmm. um, really colorful. It, it's a nice kind of arcade not super Dark Souls Bloodborne, but you still get that feel and... Yeah, you still get that kind of arcade feel to it. No, it's a lot I of fun. Very much agree. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. It's kind of more of an arcade feel, but it still has that Dark Souls kind of... Yeah, like I could see a really intense kid at like an arcade <laughs> with like his hat backwards, but he's kind of got like the... 
like the darker, like emo we look, and he's yeah. punching little kids because he's spending like six <laughs> hours on this arcade wow, okay. with like giant sword guys on the side. Yeah, that's that's right? per- like when I was playing it, man. That was precisely the image that was going through my mind. Yeah, like it's just a bully of sixteen bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. That's exactly what I see. Yeah, the kind of demographic. I was not seeing that, but just oh, okay. careful. We play different careful games. with the chair. Yeah. We got the squeaky chair this time, so just yeah. uh, we, we um, apologize in advance. But anything and else then my cool? last thing was I rage quit the uh, what was it Dark Souls One remastered. So yeah, I got we... that last Friday, mm-hmm. and um, so what they remastered the graphics and kind of the engine and optimize the frames per second but they didn't really deal with the hitboxes and things so i'm used to the hitboxes and the kind of finesse of the third one along with bloodborne so it's really refined in those games and this is kind of the original hey we're still dealing with the clunky kind of setup so i got walled walled in to a gap that i should have been able to like roll through yeah and um i about threw my controller yeah you were here and i just was like nope 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 turned off my thing and i went to um lords of the fallen yeah yeah i mean i think for a lot of people that have you know dark souls may have been their first souls game or demon souls whatever it may have been if they played that before bloodborne um you know they kind of almost have that nostalgic feel for it similar to people who love ocarina of time over you have games to do like ocarina of time in Breath the order wild right. yeah i mean it makes sense it's just more of like a when it came out time and place you played it you loved it you fell in love with that uh i mean it sparked a new genre of games honestly yeah um so that makes sense no hopefully you go back to it and um, i will i'm gonna get through it it's just yeah well i mean we've been playing a lot of souls like <laughs> yeah. games so it makes sense you take a break for a couple months come back to it maybe do some shooters now, yeah now that my ps3 again yeah we're gonna can, um... we're gonna play some resistance tonight we're gonna you know when i was talking about perfect dark dark couple episodes ago and bragging about the, the uniqueness of the guns and Ryan, then you shut me down and i was like i could argue this or i could let you play through resistance yeah. and then you could just disregard perfect dark no okay on. i will never do that but we i will humor okay, you I will you were hum- talking about a see-through wall gun and all i wanted Calm to down. yell at you Calm was down. the auger where yeah. you could just shoot through walls yeah well You'll see i'll see You'll but see. I, I will let you know that nothing is gonna trump perfect dark my love for it so um, but I, I'm totally game okay. Insomniac, Ratchet and Clank. You know they make some excellent games, so um, I'm excited to dig into those. But do you mind if I start talking about the games that I've been playing recently? Because I've got yeah. I'm, you told me you have a lot to say, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so the first game, you know, coming away from ukulele, I talked about the la- that the last two episodes. Um, I was still in that 3D platformer type mood um, because you know coming off of games like Shadow of War and. Wolfenstein and the Bloodborne games. I wanted something um, just similar to ukulele where I can kind of mindlessly um, just kind of traverse these open 3D worlds and kind of a cartoon animation. And so I went back to one of my favorite games. Um, You could consider it a PS2 classic um, by now because it came out 17 years ago, not to age you folks out there that played this when it first came out because when I got my PS2, I did not get it at launch. I got it quite um, a few years afterwards because I was still rocking the N64, because they were still pumping out N64 games until, like, 2001. Um, Which we did not complain about. No, we didn't. Um, Perfect Dark, man, 2000, not to bring that game up again. but <laughs> It's really going to destroy it. It's cool. Yeah. No, but um, one of the first bundle of games that I got was Jack and Daxter. So, not of Naughty Dog fame, of course, they're famous for the the, uh, the, Crash, the Crash Bandicoot games. Then they, you know, made the Jack and Daxter games in the PS2 era, and then, of course, Uncharted later on, and last of us and all that good stuff but jack and daxter was just um oh man 
playing through the first one again, and I'm about 80% through. I got to the the final boss area this week, and um, it just really makes me miss the era of the 3D platformer because... Um, so what is the character in Jack and Dexter? I've so, never seen this game or heard of it. Okay, so so Jack is basically this like yellow, spiky-haired young guy, and he has this like little weasel companion on his shoulders named um, Dexter. And so he basically... Are they wearing leather? Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't think <laughs> I, so. <laughs> I'm trying to... Okay, yep, Go. keep going. Yeah, I, so basically... Like a leathery like hood, like brown clothes, kind of like adventurer stuff. N- maybe in like a later game. So like maybe Jack 2 or Jack 3, it gets a little edgier. He might be wearing some like leather stuff. Uh, okay. But in the first one, it's, it's much more akin to... Um, he's kind of like in the wilderness, almost like... I don't want to say a Tarzan, but... But somewhat like that, okay? Okay. And so he basically, the, the premise of the game is there's like this dark echo um, kind of invading the world, okay? And okay. you eventually can use it to your advantage because there's like, there's blue echo and yellow and red and the different types kind of enhance your abilities. So like the yellow, for example, you can shoot out like little yellow beams and it'll help destroy either enemies or boxes that you couldn't otherwise like access. Mega Man. Yeah, very much like Mega Man. And then there's like the blue echo, which basically helps like, suck it's like this electric static so it helps like um collect other items that might be around you um and then of course so all you use different colors of that yeah so the different yeah exactly it helps it helps kind of facilitate the puzzle solving aspects of the game um which are very um straightforward like there's never moments in the game where i'm playing and i'm just like stumped it's very um kind of streamlined just traditional 3d platforming and i'm having a blast i mean you basically collect um, these things called, um, what are they called? Well, you collect these precursor orbs. The name is the name of the game is Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy. Um, mm. Power cells are like the main. So power cells I would liken to um, stars in the Mario games, like oh, Mario 64. Okay. And then the, um, the precursor orbs are more like coins. You kind of collect those in each of the levels. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very much like... You know, Banjo-Kazooie and Super Mario 64 because there's a seemingly endless amount of collectibles. Um, So for me, um, I think it holds up just as well today as it did 17 years ago. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you have not played the Jack and Daxter games, you can easily download them on the PlayStation 4 nowadays. Um, And they have um, trophy trophy support, so you can unlock trophies and stuff. Uh, It's a relatively easy... Easy platinum to get to. What are you looking for? You like looking. I'm looking the place. for my phone so I can Google this Jack and Daxter. Oh my gosh! You have to. <laughs> I, I will be back. He, he's Keep on talking. He's getting up, folks, to um to go get his phone. So I'm just gonna okay. I'm just gonna keep playing, yeah. or keep talking here. No, one. The last thing I'll talk about. I totally forgot about this, but um the Jack and Daxter game. You know, you go into different. You don't go into different worlds, but um the giant hub world kind of very. Um, yeah, he, that's exactly what oh I was thinking gosh. about. Wow. Yeah, he's kind of, he kind of looks like he's wearing like Avatar, or the, what is it, the girl? Katara? No. Yeah, the Water Nation stuff. Sure. Yeah. You done? Yeah, he's wearing leather. Look at that. It's not, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah. Jack and Daxter, um, <laughs> the last thing I'll talk about, so there's multiple levels where water's involved, and whether it be small streams where you can... Um, you have to dive down and grab more precursor orbs or like great bodies of water where there's um, like logs and stuff that you have to kind of platform across to get to the other side. 
So I completely forgot about this, but you know, I was swimming in the water and almost like this quick Jaws theme starts playing. And I'm just like, what the heck? And this giant freaking piranha like monster just like eats me and swallows me whole. God, and, I hate when that happens. And so that, I, I, it remind me, you know, like when I was younger playing the game and it just absolutely terrified me and it just kind of snapshot back in time, um, really creeps you out. And it totally catches you off guard because you don't see it coming. Um, but when that music starts playing, you're like, I'm done, done for. Um, but Jack and Dexter, <laughs> really fun game. You can literally beat the game in like 10 to 12, 8 to 12 hours probably. Um, nice. I'm not a big fan of 2 and 3. They're fine. They're okay. But like I said, this was at the time when Grand Theft Auto 3 was coming out. So they they really tried to kind of replicate that experience where like in 2 you could like hijack vehicles and stuff like that. And they really got away from like the, the traditional the 3D platform. Yeah, you had like guns in that game. And in the original Jack and Daxter, you don't have guns. You have the Echo to kind of enhance abilities and that's it. Yeah. And it's, it's great because of it. So Jack and Daxter, you can get on PS4 and of course PS2. They have the PS3 class or the uh, HD remasters, all that good stuff. So love me some Jack and Daxter. The other game that I really want to talk about, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have... A lot to say about this. Hopefully, I can kind of wrap it up in a nice, cohesive package for you guys because um, I really don't want to spoil this experience that I had uh, this week. I had some money on my PSN account left over, and I was just don't, <laughs> from don't, Black Tiger <laughs> from Life of Black Tiger. And so I was I was scrolling yeah. I was scrolling through the PSN store and just looking for something relatively cheap to to play. And I came across this game that I'd never heard of before. And after the fact, I, I, I found out that it actually came out on iOS last year and recently PS4 and Nintendo Switch. And so this game is called Old Man's Journey. I saw the, the picture um, you know, in the PSN store and I just immediately knew that I wanted to play this game and I bought it. I didn't look at any trailers. I didn't look at reviews. I just blindly bought it and... It's a very, very short experience, okay? So this game takes about an hour and a half to beat. When I booted it up, it, you know, kind of presents the, the home screen, and you see this old man um, at the top of this hill, and he has, like, this old-looking house. If you've ever seen um, Ponyo, that, that house that's kind of, like, on the hill there, it's kind of like that. It's almost, like, towering over. It's very interesting. But what struck me immediately was, first of all, the music. It's beautiful. It's some of the greatest... Um, just heartwarming music that I've heard in a video game in a very long time. But what also really struck me was the the hand-drawn art style. It looks... Yeah, it looks really nice. Yeah, you we watched the trailer not too long before we started recording, but what really reminds me of is if you've ever seen that old cartoon movie um, called The Snowman, it's based on a children's book. It's It's a really just adorable art style that I, you just have to see for yourself. Just this hand-drawn animation that's, it's just truly... It looks really soothing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And the whole game itself, I would just say, is just, just very peaceful. And so, I don't want to spoil the story. I'm, I'm going to explain kind of the opening 20 seconds and then talk about the gameplay a little bit so you kind of have an idea if it's something that you'd want to play. But um, basically, in the beginning of the game, you have this old man... And the, the postal man comes and he kind of rings his little bell. You walk over to them and he hands you this letter. You open this letter and this old man sits on a bench. He's reading it. And he looks up from the letter and he has this almost confused, sad look on his face. And, and you really can't determine whether or not he's confused, sad, angry. He immediately runs into his house. 
packs his little backpack full of stuff. He walks out of his house and he walks down the hill. And this is when the game begins. And so over the course of the next, I would say, 12 to 14 levels, each level doesn't take more than five minutes to beat, you basically have this background foreground puzzle solving mechanic where you have to connect the hills in a certain way so that he can easily hop and tra- traverse from one to the other. And there's there's very mild puzzle solving involved. So like in one instance, there's sheep and you have to make sure that he doesn't walk right into the sheep. So you have to make sure like the sheep go on one side of the hill so he can go on one and you lift and raise and lower the, the hills um, using your cursor um, with the PlayStation 4 controller um, so that he can kind of get around them. That's just like one instance. But what I love about this game is that it's a point, like a traditional point and click adventure in the sense that there's things in the world or in each level that you don't have to click on. You can easily just traverse the, the entire game, play through all the levels and get this guy from point A to point B and, you know, the story will unfold. But for like it, for example, you'll be there was this one level where you were kind of in this pond like area and there were these three frogs on a lily pad. They were each on a lily pad and you just pressed each one and they made like different sounds and I unlocked a trophy for it. <laughs> or like you walked into, into this town and there was this hotel and this old lady was at the top and she had, like was sticking her head out the window and I clicked on her and she started like getting all mad and like freaking out and then she closed the, the blinds and I got another trophy. You know, so if, there's so much of this game. Like a PSN trophy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Angering women in the windows. Yeah, and it has like... It, it, Gosh, I just have so many trophies. <laughs> yeah. No, and so it's just really unique experience. And I think the thing that, or the game that it, um, reminded me most of, and forgive me because I haven't played Journey. I know that's a very highly regarded PSN game, um, or indie game, I should say. Uh, by most people, it's a very um, just kind of emotionally unique experience from what I've heard, and I'd I, I really say that this game is as well. But the game that it reminded me most of was Gone Home. This was a game that I played a couple years ago where, you know, you were this young girl is in the first-person perspective. You go into this house, and you basically search the entire house just looking for clues, and all there's all this 90s throwback nostalgia um, kind of thrown at you, and you're kind of putting together this story as you go through this house. And at the very end of it, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it the story unfolds and, you know, you're, you're presented with this, you know, this great emotionally impactful story. And, and this is very much in the same way. But what I have to say is that there's no, no dialogue in this game. There's no one talking, no voice acting. It's just you, this old man, and these really great hand-drawn animations and you'll get to certain places in the game, typically at the end of each level, where he'll sit down, he'll start stroking his beard, hmm. and it'll kind of like go back in time to some moment in his life. And you piece all these together that end up getting you to the end of the game. And there are very few games that I've, I've cried. I could probably count on one hand. And I was on the verge of tears at the end of this. It was it, just... It really reminded me, I mean, it made me want to watch Up. Kind of, don't don't spoil things. Yeah. I'm not gonna no. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, no. But I feel like you were thinking. Well, no, uh, but like I'm saying in the in the very beginning of Up. Well, yeah, you see like an old man, and he him out and hit the bench at the beginning, really kind of reminded me of the old man in Up. Yeah. So outside I, of his house. Yeah. No, I I think that's a great comparison. Um, but wow, please guys play this game. I think you'd really like it. I'm almost like getting like 
I know. choked up just thinking about <laughs> it. Um, it. It's really something special, and I, I, I think it just reminds me of why I love this medium because, you know, I can watch movies and, um, like, The Shawshank Redemption and just walk away just feeling um, feeling something really, really powerful. But when you get to interact and help progress something and, and, and yeah, allow, allow this story unfold, you really do feel like you're a part of that experience. And I, I just encourage you guys, it's an hour and a half. It's a little bit steep of a price. Um, you can get it on PSN right now for $9, but wow, I would rather pay $9 for this than $60 for some, you know, new shooter. I mean, with, yeah, with all the, I mean, extras of poking frogs and angering women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure you playing through it multiple times and kind of exploring all the hills. Yeah. You could definitely do that. Yeah, I mean, the story is just so simply told without words, but I think in its simplicity, it's just that much more powerful. So please, guys, play Old Man's Journey, iOS, PC, PS4, and I think you can get it on Switch too. So please, Mm. excellent game. Reach out to me on Twitter, seriously, or write into the podcast about what you think after you play this game. But enough of that, I've gone on long enough. So let's get 30 minutes later. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's get into some listener feedback. My good friend Bernardo Santos Benny, man, I miss talking to you on Tiny Chat back with the old YouTube gang back in the day. Um, so thank you so much That's for writing. An awesome in. name. Yeah, he's great. He's from Portugal. He's he's a really good guy. Um, big fan of um, Kingdom Hearts as well. We're we're big Kingdom Hearts right. friends, but um, he can keep on listening. <laughs> yeah, he can. He can. Don't be, don't are you are you pushing me to read the question. Yeah, no. No. Oh, okay. I was just saying, I was just trying to talk up my my good friend Ben. So, yeah. anyways, he opens the the letter saying, Hey guys, just wanted to say that I've enjoyed so much all of the episodes so far. I do appreciate the fact that even though you have a main theme for the episode, you're still able to discuss other topics, bringing more content to the episode. As far as audio quality, at least on iTunes, everything sounds perfect. Keep up the good work. Benny, thank you for the positive feedback. Really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. So, he has a couple questions here. And he said, uh, firstly, on the last episode, you talked about Pokemon. Yeah, what, we did. Yeah, we did. We talked <laughs> the heck out of Pokemon. But what's your interest regarding Digimon? Was that even a thing for you? Ryan, what about you, man? Um, I was really engrossed by Pokemon. Um, I do have some Digimon cards, and they look a lot angrier <laughs> in Pokemon. <laughs> they do. Like horned beasts. But I actually... I wasn't allowed to do Digimon, really. Um, there was one of the, I guess, do they have starters or do they go into a computer? I don't really know the story behind Digimon. I just remember yeah. the song. like, Digimon, Digimon Monsters. Yeah, that was really catchy. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was really catchy. It had to be to compete with Pokemon back in the day. That theme song, yeah. nothing compares. I mean, it's a hefty rival. Yeah. Um, but there was one, like, I guess, starter person. I guess they kind of evolve or they upgrade or something like that. Um, it was a white and purple dog thing, like a walrus. I don't know. Dog uh, thing. Okay. That well, yeah, right. it like evolves into this like lady with her chest showing and like Yikes. it was my mom came in and she's <laughs> turn like, that off to like young middle school me watching Digimon. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I don't, they're just evolving. <laughs> just, yeah, so she she was fine with Charizard, but she wasn't fine with the, like, angel-looking thing that that evolved into. Fair enough. Um, it was kind of the same thing with Yu-Gi-Oh. I was about to say, there's no way you could have watched Yu-Gi-Oh. There, yeah, it was, um, there was, like, that, that magical girl. Um, but, yeah, I actually had, I had a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I was luckily allowed to keep my, like, Blue-Eyes White Dragon, the, the Red Dragon, or the 
red eyes black dragon and like those cool looking ones but i actually had to like burn my uh Yu-Gi-Oh cards in the back fire because she thought I was gonna like start witchcraft. Oh my word! Yeah, I didn't start witchcraft. Yeah, I did read Harry Potter though, which yeah. was a, a battle in itself. So, quick thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! Actually, my uncle, he for the longest time, many years, collected Yu-Gi-Oh cards and sold them on eBay, like almost as a profession. Like he would really? go to the store, buy all the new booster decks and just packets of cards, and he would be up all night long because people from all over the world we're buying these cards and he has to ship them out, you yeah. know? And so I would say like maybe my freshman year of college, for whatever reason, I started watching Yu-Gi-Oh again because it was on Netflix and I got really into it again. And for my birthday, he still had, and he probably still has millions of cards in his basement. He gave me first edition, This these like wow. when they first came out, um, sealed decks of Yugi, Joey, Kaiba, and Pegasus. All four decks sealed. That's amazing. First edition. I don't know how much they go for on, you know, uh, eBay these days. Is that in your closet as well? Yeah. My, my little... Sh- the nerd closet. The nerd closet. Um, yeah, man. I remember getting those starters decks. Pegasus, I love because there's all those, like, tune cards. There's, like, tune skull yeah. and all like, that kind of stuff. Tune, um, like, Dark Magician or whatever. There's just a lot of really unique... Dark Magician unique- Girl. That was it. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Because that was Yugi's, like, main guy was the Dark Magician. Yeah. Um, but This I w- was the girl version. Okay. Which... Is why I got in trouble with that one too. <laughs> yeah. For the likely yeah. the same reasons. Yeah, no, so. but I'm so sorry, Ben. We we're totally getting off base here. For Digimon, for me, I never really got into it when it came on Netflix. Like years later, like even a, just a couple years ago, yeah, I watched. Recent. Yeah, I watched a lot of the cartoon, and it's it's definitely entertaining. You know, if I would have watched it at the time um, when it was first coming out, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it just as much, probably more. Um, but yeah, Pokemon just oversaturated the market and kind of drowned Digimon at the time. Yeah. Um, There's kind of a select niche of kids that were... Is Digimon you know, Japanese as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that was a dumb question. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but question two, Ben asks, on the first episode, you've discussed briefly about the release of Kingdom Hearts. Hashtag hype is real. <laughs> Are your expecta- expectations high or after many years and several and maybe unnecessary, unnecessary spinoffs? Whoa. No, he's right Chain on. Chain of Memories okay, was but, entertaining. But you there's, could play as Riku. Well, Chain of Memories the is... The coolest one. Heck with Sora. Bring on Riku. He has white hair, and he's not old. Are you done? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, there's Maybe. also games like Kingdom Hearts Recoded that were completely unnecessary on the Nintendo DS. So yeah, okay. I'm going to keep going. Touche. So many years and several maybe unnecessary spinoffs, you're not expecting that much. Also, do you guys already have plans on which edition you're going to buy? Well, that's a good point, Ben, because if there's a special edition, you know I'll be in line for that. You'll probably get the highest one with, like, posters and stickers and things. Oh, you know what's amazing, though? So, <laughs> you know you know the Kingdom Hearts um, statue that I have of Sora? Yeah. He's like, Ben and I both got one. Really? Benny, yeah, buddy, you got one of the, like, the Sora final mix figurines in the box. I hope you still have that, the... Like the digital arts figure, because that thing is amazing, and it's like going for stupid amounts of money right now. But, but you, who would sell that? Oh, you better believe that'll. That's gonna go like in my grave. Okay. <laughs> I was buried with Sora. <laughs> <laughs> we like forge a keyblade for you to yeah. like place outside as your gravestone. Yeah. No, but that, yeah. oh, that's so funny because yeah, I remember when Dis- I would have the uh, Rico's blade. Riku's blade. We gotta talk about keyblades at another point. But okay. I remember when um, that contest was going on, and when I announced on Twitter, or whatever, I thanked the people that were host- hosting the contest, and Ben reached out to me, and he he had won one too. I was just like, 
all of like I don't even know ten people maybe got those in the entire world, and of course ben, two people who know each Ben other. and I were one of them. So, um, but to get to to the root of his question here for Kingdom Hearts three, um, I've actually been very um, kind of particular as to what I watch about Kingdom Hearts three because I want to go into it very surprised. Um, yeah. I, I've watched you know quite a bit of the gameplay trailers and I'm I'm very excited. I think the game looks it looks amazing, unbelievable. Especially like when you go out of Andy's room and just you're into, in the front yard. The world is so well realized. The graphics are phenomenal. And, you feel like a toy. And I love I've that you can have feel like a toy. <laughs> I love that you can actually have. Um, he's dying over here, folks. He's dying. I love it that you can actually have. Um, multiple like characters so you can have not only donald and goofy but also um buzz and woody playing alongside you which i think is great um i'm i'm gonna leave it at that for me because i actually have a kingdom hearts 3 prediction that i want to talk about when we go into our e3 thoughts okay so is there anything that you want to talk about specifically for kingdom hearts 3 as far as hype and your expectations i'm excited um i mean we talked about i think on the first episode but i played through it recently maybe a month or so ago for one and two um and I, there's basically no gap for me. You had to wait like 15 years or whatever it is, and I'm waiting like six months. Yeah. So I kind of almost wish I was in your. Well, no, I, I, I do and I don't because I, I would never take back the memories I had playing it. You know, in my mom's uh, hair salon back in the day yeah. when I was like 10 years old. Well, that's what made it your number one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really excited for it. The graphics are definitely upgraded. I hope it's a combination of what makes. I mean, separately, one and two, great. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the combat of two was definitely more refined. Um, the healing, you had to use Magicka or whatever in the second one, which is really annoying instead of being able to, like, spam health heals. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, if they can con combine what makes two great versus one and vice versa, yeah. then it'll be a lot of fun. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then which one I'll buy... I usually don't go to like the super like $140 one where it yeah. has like posters and stuff unless it's I don't think I've ever done that. I have um, a few times, but it's funny because the only special editions I've purchased I got when they were like in the bargain bin. So Lord of the Rings War in the North, it came with a quiver and a map of Middle Earth, like a cloth map. It was really in like an art book, a CD soundtrack for the game. Um I have to show you, I have an atlas. Of Middle Earth. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. You also have... <laughs> <laughs> just crushing my excitement. Freaking, like, rings. just, you know... Hey. Rail, rain on, raining on just my parade over here. Just crushing the Dune <laughs> What a nerd. Um, but, it, you know... Sting to the heart. I bought it on Amazon for, like, $40 when it originally retailed at, like, $150. And then wow. the Bioshock 2 Collector's Edition, which is still, to this day... One of my favorite. It has a beautiful hardcover, thick art book, and a vinyl record of the soundtrack for the game. Wow. Um, so one of my favorite um, collector's editions. And then the other one I have is the um, Kingdom Hearts Mark of Mastery edition for the 3DS. It mm -hmm. came with like um, like these really neat postcards, uh, like a case um, for the 3DS. And I think that. it really depends on what they're offering. So like... I, the last one that I bought, was a, which was above the $60 ticket price was a complete letdown. It was Battlefront 2, the new one. Oh, get that out of here, man. Yeah. The season passed, and that was it. Yeah, it was bad. So not going to do that unless they have something really cool along with it. 
Yeah, I mean, usually you get interesting things for just pre-ordering. Um, so if I mean, if they have a Sora doll or something like collectible, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah, you're more of the Sora. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I don't really have any other particular thoughts about Kingdom Hearts three. I'll save that for yeah. um, E3. But the last question here, I'll probably take this one because yes. um, you haven't had a ton of experience playing JRPGs. I think it was um, just Pokemon. Yeah, so his question is, which other eight JRPGs do you guys enjoy? For instance, do you like Shin Megami Tensei games, um, like Persona? So for me, I um, would have never played games like this if it wasn't for the YouTube gaming community, particularly people like, you know, Happy Console Gamer, Johnny Millennium, and Pete Dorr, and TV and Lost Craig. A lot of those people kind of um, brought me on to games, like, or in Mike, Aerodynamish, my goodness, how could I not mention him? Um games like Tales of Asperia for the Xbox 360. I never would have played that game if it wasn't for people like that. Um, I love that game. It's fantastic. One of the greatest, and not a great soundtrack, but definitely um, a unique game for the 360 because um, you can really count on one hand how many <laughs> JRPGs there were on the 360. You know, Blood or Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey, you know, Tales of Asperia, not many. But in any case, um, the Tales of series, you know, I like some of those games. Vesperia, I played Abyss on the 3DS. Um... I feel like a lot of those games, though, um, especially when I'm at an age now where I really have to be um, kind of picky and choosy about the games that I play because I don't have all the time in the world like I used to, yeah. especially like when I was in college. Um, a lot of those games kind of overstay their welcome. You know, like uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I heard, like took like 120 hours to beat. Dragon Final Quest. Final Fantasy 13. Yeah, you can get out of here. <laughs> if you're at a crap on Final Fantasy thirteen, one of my there favorite... There was one girl in your party. Like, I got like five or six hours in, and she just had the most high-pitched voice. Yeah, the door's over there, so, you know. It's my apartment, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the door's over there. Oh, okay. um, we'll talk about Final Fantasy thirteen someday. That's another one. Okay, so Final Fantasy uh, series. Nine's my favorite. Um, I do love thirteen, despite popular opinion, for the most part. Um... I've played a little bit of seven. I know that's you know um, that one's the classic one. held in such high regard. I've played one and two on the PSP, and I've started ten on the Vita. The, the Vita. Vita. The Vita. Um, but nine is definitely my favorite. You know, I, I mean, the logo to the show has VV, um, you know, on my T-shirt with with mm-hmm. Charmander. So um, I love the Final Fantasy games. I've never really gotten into the Shin Megami Tensei games just because I think they're overly complex for for my tastes. Um, I like relatively simplistic combat and games like the Atelier games and um, there's just a lot of really bizarre, obscure Japanese RPGs that I've just really not gotten the chance to to play, nor do I really have the interest. Um, but my main, my main, my favorites are, of course, Dragon Quest. I love the Ease games, especially in the PSP. Ease, Oath and Felgana is one of my favorite games on the PSP and quite honestly, one of my favorite JRPGs. Final Fantasy is great. Um... The Tales of series; those are the main one, the mainstays that I kind of stick to. Occasionally, if there's one a game that comes out that really piques my interest, um, like Xenoblade Chronicles or The Last Story for the Wii, um, you know, I'll, I'll take part in playing one of those games. But um, you know, I really have to be again picky and choosy which with the games that I play, just because um, they are just so demanding of time. So yeah, those those are my choices. Yeah. All right. So why don't we get into the E3 predictions now? All right. You want to kick it off? Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Um, so. I think Bethesda recently released kind of a teaser trailer for Fallout 76. Yes. Um, so what I'm predicting from them is some gameplay. Um, I think 
I mean, they did a long stream with one of those like figurines and like a hand moving it for a while. Um, but I think that's a perfect time for them to kind of branch out and show their gameplay and or at least where they're at and kind of the direction yeah. and how it's going to be different from three and four. Okay. Yeah. So it's weird because so many people that I talk to, or at least impressions that I've heard like on Twitter and everything, were really crying out for a Fallout 3 remake or a Fallout New Vegas. More so Fallout like a remastered. 3. Yeah. Similar to like Dark Souls for the, you know, the current generation consoles. Yeah. So the 76 was a little bit weird to me. Um, I didn't really look at the, the, watch the whole like little cinematic trailer, but I'm definitely curious to see, you know, where they take that because the original Fallout games were like old school PC games back in the day. They weren't the RPG, like first person, third person, you know, RPG shooter games that we see today. So um, I don't really know what to think of that. I don't know if they're going to take it in an entirely new direction or if it's going to just be more fall. I feel like they have to kind of switch it up a little bit because I feel like Fallout 4 was more of Fallout 3, just more with that like home building mechanic kind of like yeah if you, know. you look on the what pit boy is that, mm-hmm. that, that or, yeah something like that the uh yeah at the very beginning of the cinematic it actually has a date on it oh does it oh yeah. it was like in the future though wasn't it i think it was i don't know where in the timeline of three and four it was but they have a date and i mm-hmm. believe that's part of the teaser to kind of explain where 76 is okay but it's kind of it seems like they're kind of past the point where they get like, they have a new civilization going. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I think you are very similar to me in this, that, like, I've just never really gotten into the Fallout games. I had the... No, Fallout... I have four over there, mm-hmm. and it's... Yeah. I think I played the first minute, and then the nuke went <laughs> off, and then I didn't... I, I played stopped. maybe five hours of Fallout 3, and just nothing about the world kind of grabbed me, and I'm just not about that post-apocalyptic wasteland. You know, the, I think the VAT system was really interesting, but I think for you and me, like we're much more the the Tolkien medieval lore, like um, the Elder Scrolls and games. And colors, yeah. I didn't have much fun with. Um, I mean, you get these rodents and things. That's fun, but it's a lot of gray and, and to like be fair, darker like, color. Which it would be if you had nuclear fallout. But at the same time, if you're gonna spend fifty hours in like a depressing landscape where people are radiated to death, and there's just not much, I could just deal with the real world and have the same amount of happiness. Yeah, there's just not a lot of atmosphere there that really kind of grabs me in. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that Fallout, you know, seventy six, whatever it might be, changes that because I'd love to, you know, sink my teeth into one of those games. But for right now, I'm just not very interested. Yeah, happy for the fans though. Yeah, what about um, you? What's your first one? So for me, my predictions are kind of going down by publisher. Okay. Um, so for that like a um, schedule. Yeah, exactly. So for Microsoft, I mean, I I don't even know what to think about Microsoft anymore. I feel like they've really dropped the ball on previous um, E3s and and just as a as a console home console in general, I feel like they're trying to cater to an audience that doesn't necessarily exist. Um, they don't know what their audience is. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, my prediction um, is not bold. I feel like they're going to throw out one of their one-trick ponies like they have been for years is another Halo, another Gears of War, or a series that I really have no interest in at all, uh, the Forza Forza Horizon series. Um, not that the, any of those games or series are bad, but... They're just really old IPs. They don't have any new ones. <laughs> they, and what kills me, it, it, it really crushes me, is that they have one of the greatest classic license licenses that being rare the banjo kazooie's perfect darks of the world and they're doing nothing with it they made connect games they not 
very well brought back Banjo-Kazooie's Nuts and Bolts, which was just a stupid, gimmicky, build-your-own-car-type simulator thing that... Mm. And I just want them to do something unique. Bring back Perfect Dark in a new and exciting way. Literally. It's Perfect Dark again. Re- yeah, I know. I'll bring it up any chance I get. <laughs> Rebuild or remake Banjo-Kazooie for the N64 from the ground up for the Xbox One. That would be beautiful. And they need a game like that to showcase... I think there would be a lot of nostalgia. There would be so... I, mean, I kid you not. Xbox, Xbox Ones are at a price now where I would happily pay the price because there's at least five to eight games that I'd want to get, and a game like Banjo-Kazooie or a Perfect Dark or a, heck, Jet Force Gemini would really push me over the edge to fork over $200 to get that system. Well, they're and, only 200 now? Yeah, you can get an Xbox One for 200 That's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, and then you can get, like, a really sleek one, or um, Xbox, like, a, a white console. It's, like, a really sleek... Um, slim console that mm. I mean I'd be I'd be there for that but they right now they just don't have the software that entices me to to push out that cash yeah. so um, yeah kind of a lame prediction but I feel like more what we're going to see from Microsoft is more of the same I hope I'm proved wrong though just crap just, just crap yeah. <laughs> just crap garbage uh, what's yeah. your next prediction though um, so Ubisoft uh, Assassin's Creed they're going to pump out another one did you see they released it last night did they Super, okay, so this is interesting. This we'll is have to watch that trailer after this. Hot off the presses. We got... <laughs> so they basically... It's like a five-second clip um, of... You know in the scene in 300 where King Leonidas, he's like, this is Sparta. And he like, yeah. like does the Spartan kick and that guy falls yeah. on the, It's basically that. So it's a very quick clip of a guy doing that Spartan kick of a guy off of a mountain cliff or whatever. And then it just does the, the title. It's um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So people think it's more of like a Greek era, Greek. so like Homer, you know, who wrote the you know the Odyssey. Yeah, they think it's kind of like a nod to that. Which I, first of all, um, I'm way behind in the Assassin's Creed. You know, because there's like games. 150 of them. The last one there's, I played, I had the Civil War, right? Well, that's there's, the last one I played, and I had very high hopes for it because you're an Indian, and you had a bow, and I thought the Revolutionary War setting was fantastic, but it was it was a buggy mess. I got to a point where it glitched out. I lost a lot of progress. And I really had no reason to go back for it to it at that point. Um, and then the games after, like... The boating one, apparently, was really like, good with its mechanics. I heard the, the, the Black Flag, you know, was, you know, the, the pirate ship and, mm-hmm. you know, type stuff. It, first of all, it looks beautiful. But for me, that setting just wasn't... It wasn't for me. Um, and then some of the ones after that, like Rogue, Syndicate, th- there was a bunch that I just had no interest in. They, they weren't reviewed well. Again, they were buggy messes. Finally, Ubisoft did what they've been needing to do for a long time. They took a two-year break to create Origins, which was set in Egypt, mm-hmm. which I really want to play. Yeah, I was listening to the radio this morning, and apparently there was a mode on that where you could actually just go explore without the combat. And really? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think ancient... Okay, so Feudal Japan is a setting I want them to explore, and then yeah. Egypt, ancient Egypt, is always something that I wanted them to do. And they have done, they've done that, so I want to play that, and I'm intrigued with this. I want to see gameplay. I want to see where they're going to take it, if there's going to be different kind of combat mechanics. I, I want them to somehow mix it up. Like, Black Flag wasn't for me, but I think bringing in the pirate ship stuff was interesting mm-hmm. for people that like that kind of stuff. And then they were able to use that for the Egypt. Yeah. The, with boating around or yeah. whatever they do. So, um, Odyssey, I have high hopes for. So, I mean, that's a good prediction. It's funny that, you know, I'm glad that... Oh, I'm almost glad that you didn't know about it so that we can kind of 
talk about it back and yeah, forth here. But no, I I really love yeah. Greeks and Rome and yeah. So after this, after yeah, we record, Spartan. we'll definitely have to watch the little snippet of uh, footage that they put out yeah, there. But most definitely. Well, they'll definitely I'm sure show lots of gameplay here in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, What's so, your next one? So my next one is Square Enix, and so they you're gonna steal my next one. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. Well, I mean. We're, I, I imagine. I don't know. What does Square Enix make? <laughs> I, I imagine we're both going to talk about Kingdom Hearts in some regard. Yeah. Um, but one I, I also want to talk about is Final Fantasy VII, the remake that they're coming out with. Okay. And they're kind of building this from the ground up. I'm pretty sure it's more of a, um, if you played, uh, what was it, Crisis Core on the, the PSP, it's more of a action-style Kingdom Hearts-like battle system and not the traditional turn-based combat. Um, and, of course, the graphics are completely overhauled. It looks absolutely stunning from what the little footage that we've seen. Um, my my prediction with this is that I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're splitting it up into multiple parts, whether that's two or three different, you know, segments of the game. I'm not sure how they're, they're you know, slicing and dicing it. I think we can expect the the first part to come out next summer. And my, my computer's making weird noises. But um, I, I think they're, they're going to come out, they're going to come out with that next summer um, or next fall. And we're going to have a, very in-depth um, gameplay trailer, kind of showcasing the signature, you know, characters, Cloud, Barrett, um, Sephiroth. Sephiroth. I mean, I think we're definitely going to see some significant gameplay footage in a, a um, maybe a not like a loose release um, date in like summer 2019 or something like that. Um, I think it's going to be sooner than people think. People are saying it's going to be basically a PlayStation 5 launch title 2022. I, I really don't think we're that far out. I think they're I'd be curious to see. I mean, not to go on a tangent, but like what PlayStation Five would be. I mean, because yeah. we're hitting up 4K, and the Pro right now, the PS4 Pro mm-hmm. has that capability, and yeah. we're at the, that's like most cutting edge. And a lot of the TVs even don't have that technology, at yeah. least for. I mean, everything was what 4K, 2K. Yeah, I mean, I certainly see areas for games that can improve. I mean, I think just as simply as going from one area to the next. I mean, Bloodborne is certainly guilty of it. We love it to death, but, I mean, going from one area to the next, the loading times are, are pretty pretty poor. Yeah. Um, and I think there needs to be kind of a seamless transition when you open doors to certain areas in, like, Skyrim. There shouldn't be a loading time. That They should just be able to render that. Which is, like, God of War is now hitting that with. It's all totally. seamless. It really is. From, from one camera. From, from cutscene into gameplay, it, yeah, it is, is very seamless. And and I think that that is the next progression. Um, graphics, I think... Games like God of War, it's going to be hard to top that. But even some of the lesser-known games, like Lords of Fallen, like those types of games. Now, granted, the budget's not always going to be there, but those games can look better. And I think with the PS5, mm-hmm. that, that's just going to continue to progress in that direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can definitely talk about that in a later episode. Yeah, the next um, generation's going to be crazy. Yeah. So my next prediction is along, again, same lines with, with Square Enix, <laughs> um, with Kingdom Hearts 3. So Benny, he'd asked a question about it earlier on, and... And I've been, I've really been kind of being, trying to be tight lipped when I talk about Kingdom Hearts and, and also kind of getting away from gameplay trailers because I do want to be surprised. But I think the E3 trailer for this year, um, I'm afraid to watch it. I'm not, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see, um, Sora fighting alongside either Rey or Luke from Return of the Jedi. And it's going to be set in that era. And it's just going to be these, this epic, scene of Sora fighting either fighting Darth Vader with Luke or fighting Kylo or Sno- even Snoke maybe they mix up the fiction a little bit if they can get the rights for that with with Rey they're going to do something like that and it's going to be 
just really, really awesome. If they can do that, I would get the highest priced one. Yeah. The 151. And then I think I think at the end of that trailer, it's going to just pan out and be like Kingdom Hearts March 2019. But they're going to have a specific date, like March 23rd or whatever. And that's going to be... I know forever they've been promising the end of this year. I don't think that's going like to happen. 15 years. But if they, if they show me Kingdom Hearts and Star Wars... I'll wait, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till Christmas Story, of 2019, honestly. Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Star Wars. Yeah, and and then in addition to like some of the older classic Disney movies yeah. like Sword in the Stone, Lion King, Aladdin. Not Aladdin because we've been there too many times. But, um, yeah. but yeah, my, my prediction is, is that is going to be kind of this jaw-dropping moment where Sora is going to be fighting you know, back-to-back or side-by-side with Return of the Jedi Luke, and it's just going to blow people's minds. How many hours have you thought about this game? Well, considering <laughs> I've been playing the original Kingdom Hearts since I was 10 years old, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I can't top that. That was definitely my next one. So, uh, You want me to just go to my next after that? Or do you, do you want to like just I, go I can do my next yeah, one. Yeah, why don't you just go to one next one after that? Um, so I think it was last E3. They had something from FromSoft. Um, I think you're about like, to steal one of mine, but go ahead. It was like uh, Ghosts Don't Die or something like that along those lines. And um, I think they're going to tease Bloodborne 2. Mm-hmm. Or I hope they tease Bloodborne 2. I, I don't think you're off base with that. Um, it's just kind of the next progression, and oh, I'd be so excited. I mean, this entire episode's about Bloodborne, so I don't want to do yeah. where I want that game to go. Yeah. Because we're going to do that kind of towards the end. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I want that <laughs> to no, be a thing I think that's, so that's a bad. very um, yeah. practical prediction. I think that... Um, Sony has actually come out and said that their, their conference this year is going to be a little different than prior years. Um, they said they're going to really hone in on like their four, I think it's like four or five games. So they're going to talk about, of course, Spider-Man. They're going to talk about, Oh, I'm so excited for that one too. I am too. They're going to talk about Death Stranding, which is Hideo Kojima's really obscure, wacky, bizarre. No one really knows what's going on. Norman Reedus is in it. And so is Guillermo del Toro. Like what the heck? I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the trailer, but like there were like these five like gods like in the sky, and then it panned down to this baby, and Norman Reedus had an umbilical cord tied to this baby, and he'd just given birth to this little tiny child. I mean, it was. I think that it, sounds like a nightmare to me. No, I mean it's it's probably what Hideo Kojima thinks about and dreams about on a regular basis. That man, I don't even know how to describe his thought process, but it's almost as out there as Tetsuya Nomura, the guy who created uh, Kingdom Hearts. It's just. I don't even want to know what that guy talks about at lunch on a day-to-day basis. But in I any case, lunch with that guy. Yeah, I think they're going to talk about um, Spider-Man, uh, Death Stranding, Last of Us Two, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if that's coming out this year or if the release date is still undetermined. Um, and then, of course, as Sony always does, I think they're going to have a long—not uh, a long, but maybe a three to four minute video—just showcasing dozens of new indie titles that are going to be coming out in the fall. Um, I'm always on board for that. Old Man's Journey, check it out. I already talked about it in the beginning of the podcast. Um, and then like you were just saying, I think it's going to be a two-parter. I think they are going to begin by talking about a Demon's Souls remaster. Do you think they do it that quick after they just release this one? Yep, I think really? they will. I think they're going to announce it. And just then, so they can get it on the PS4? Yep, so okay. they can have the entire series. Hopefully they change up the combat. And that's gonna they're going to come out and talk about that, and everyone's going to be like, oh, God, awesome, man, I've been really, I want to play that. And then they're going to be like, but that's not all. And then they're going to go into Bloodborne 2. I don't think it's going to be um, a very significant trailer, but I think there's going to... fine. As long as we have something more than us questioning what the heck is going on. I think it's going to be a kind of a, an obscure, 
you can't really read into it too much cinematic that's maybe about 15 to 20 seconds and it's gonna say bloodborne 2 coming 2019 yeah or i I, I hope it just like pans over a city that we can somewhat see as yarnum yeah and just have like a bunch of bustling life yeah like something like you'd be like is this really that and like have i'm getting too much into like what my predictions are but like maybe tumeria like that civilization okay yeah that would uh, just a bustling life and then you just see bloodborne too that'd be sweet like flash across the screen yeah i mean like oh this is gonna this is ominous i love bloodborne it's i think i could easily say it's in my top 20 games of all time now you know having played through it in the dlc and i'm about to beat it a second time um it's just fantastic i mean the world building is in that is really unmatched and um man i hope for two i really do yeah um do you want to do your next one or do you want me to go back to mine i can't remember where we're at on the um the back and forth here that was just my and then you went to sony so yeah um I, this is a quick prediction i okay. think they're gonna put fortnite on switch okay because it's such a huge game nowadays yeah um i don't have the time investment to do no, it i don't either i really love watching people do the dances in real life <laughs> yeah and I wish I could have some coordination so I could do them better. Yeah. Um, because I've tried alone in front of a mirror. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's... Those are the types of things that we don't admit on air, Ryan. Yeah, well, we've all, we know it happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're going to... They kind of... Switch is such a market that they can do that. So, so not to like totally rain on your parade. Um, not that this has been confirmed, but there was a recent leak of a bunch of third-party titles that are planned to be coming to Switch that are going to be showcased at E3. One of them being Fortnite. Um, Dragon Ball Z, Fighter Z was another one. And um, I can't remember what else was... Not to rain on your parade, but I'm going to rain on your parade. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, but I mean, it's an admir- It's totally realistic. So then I got my prediction right. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you're right on the ball. So yeah. I think the biggest thing that Nintendo is going to showcase is, of course, Smash Brothers for Switch. And um, I think they're the going... New, a new one? Oh yeah, it's confirmed. They t- they already said that like Smash Brothers is like gonna be their main game they're gonna talk about here at E three. I must have missed that one. Yeah, no, that'll be you need to get a switch. They now. recently t- uh, teased that um, with like the Splatoon characters, and I think Link and Mario and stuff like that were on the front. It was a very quick tease. Can you imagine w- having Star Wars characters in? That'd be pretty neat. So this is how I think it's gonna kind of go down. So I think they're gonna have a you know two minute trailer of gameplay, kind of showcasing maybe some new features that they're gonna have in the game. Maybe some new areas, um, you know, not in from just particular levels, maybe from Breath of the Wild, um, Mario Odyssey, really cool. you know, just certain locales that are in some of their more recent Switch games and maybe even late Wii U releases. But how I think they're going to kind of conclude the trailer is they're going to think the big, re- you're going to think the big reveal is the Ice Climbers because people have been clamoring for the Ice Climbers to come back to the um to smash brothers for yeah because they're such a powerful character yeah but people for whatever reason they want them back so i think you're going to see the ice climbers and then towards the end of the trailer you're either going to have a um challenger approaching you know like a siren going off and it's going to be you have to you have to it's so iconic and well because years ago it was solid snake and people's just minds were blown he is my least favorite character he is my he is my favorite character in brawl but i beat you every (laughs) day no but in any case how i think it's going to play out is um they're going to have this challenger approaching screen and it's going to be ridley the the kind of the dragon villain from the the metroid series okay oh the purple one yeah well no it's like a dragon it might be purple i'm not sure the color of of uh ridley but in any case what i what i think is going to happen is they're going to have like 
Samus fighting Ridley, okay, in the Smash Bros. arena. Okay. And that's going to transition kind of seamlessly into a Metroid Prime 4 trail gameplay trailer because Metroid Prime 4, just the title, was teased last year. So I think it's going to kind of go lead into the Metroid Prime 4 gameplay trailer, and it's going to be very in-depth. You're going to see Samus... You know that would be really ha- clever. Having, having all of her powers and attack abilities, more fall, everything you know that you know showcases Samus. It's going to be ridiculously awesome. It's going to look Halo esque, and as far as the graphic capabilities, how long has it been since a Samus game? Metroid Prime or Three came Metroid. out on the Wii. Um, the last wow. me- the last handheld like 2D the original Wii. Yeah, the last wow. handheld Metroid was um, on the 3DS. It was the remake of Samus Returns for the Game Boy. Um, but what I think at the end of that. Um, is they're going to say that the game is is spring 2019. I think that's going to be the planned release date for that because um, they didn't really hone in on a release date or even suggest a release um, release date last time they showcased the game. So I think this, ye- this year they're going to have a full gameplay trailer subsequent to showing Ridley as a playable character in the in Smash 5. I think that's a perfect transition. In the, in this, that uh, would be an amazing transition. Into Metroid 4, spring 2019 release. Nintendo drops the mic, and, you know, that's all they need to do. Is that how it closes? Does Nintendo last? They're not last, I don't think. They're, like, Monday, I think, maybe Tuesday. Well, then you don't um, need to deal with Tuesday. But yeah, I mean, I think after that, people would lose their minds, and Metroid 4 would be one of the showcase games of the show, I think. It'd be truly a memorable E3 for Nintendo if they can, if they can drop a bomb like that. Yeah. Wow. Get me excited for what a week and a half, dude. It's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> real. I cannot wait. E3 is uh, seriously Christmas for me. It's so exciting, so exciting. Yeah, no, that's that would be amazing. I'm also hoping that they Nintendo does um, for the Switch the new Pokemon something with the new something. Pokemon. Then we need a teaser. I don't care if it's gameplay or yeah. just even conceptual. I mean, they could do as simple as when Bethesda teased Elder Scrolls when they literally just showed the wall. They started playing the Dragon Board music, oh. and they just said Elder Scrolls Five, and I was just like, "Done. That's okay. That's, that is literally all I need." If they just yeah. if they just showed Kanto region, or just showed the three Pokeballs in Professor Oak's uh, lab, something as simple as that, and then just said, Poke- "Like put the Pokeballs with like updated graphics, yeah, with like a like a would be really uh, cool is if they had like like a lens flare or a shine to them. Well, if they had some kind of like. Um, like I've seen videos where they have like when they they do remix for Halo for instance for the original Xbox when they did that for the 360 they had the original graphics and then the 360 remastered graphics if they showed the three Pokeballs in Professor Oak's lab like for the Game Boy games and then they just had like this this um, this wipe transition and it just showed like the new graphics no, completely over it yeah yeah and they just do that multiple times like this this kind of like montage video. And then that says, like, Pokemon... Even if they just called it, like, Pokemon Kanto coming 2019 or something. Yeah. Like, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I, I doesn't even need a name. It's yeah. just Pokemon and graphics and yeah, I just, anything Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I just want the, the slightest hint, and I would honestly be fine. Um, I just... Yeah. I want to play a Pokemon RPG on the go and at home on Switch. I think that'd be so amazing. Yeah. Uh, any more predictions? For- no, the Pokemon's my last one. That's the awesome. That's a yeah. solid list. And uh, man, I hope we're not too disappointed. We'll definitely, um, you know. Well, you set up all the trailers, and now I'm f- <laughs> freaking out over you. I couldn't even form sentences. Yeah, dude. I'm, about 
I get I get really excited about this kind of stuff. Like I said, E3 is seriously like Christmas in in uh, the summer for me. It's it's so good. Such yeah. such a great time of year. Hey folks, this is that time in the podcast where we invite all of you to give your sensitive ears a break from our seemingly endless babbling. Some call it an intermission. We call it a lull in audio. Be back shortly. All right, so now we are going to switch into the main topic of the episode. So we're going to be getting into Bloodborne, the lore. Ryan's definitely going to take the the reins on that because he's done plenty of research and he knows more than I do. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to get into kind of um, which we like better, Dark Souls or the Bloodborne game. And then after that, we're going to get into a deep dive of all the bosses of Bloodborne, which there's some pretty ridiculous ones. Mm-hmm. And then kind of uh, ranking our favorites and kind of which ones we terrified us the most which ones we thought were just most awesome and uh which ones gave us the most trouble and all that good stuff and then we're going to wrap up the episode kind of talking about um where we want bloodborne 2 to go you know we talked about in our e3 predictions that we think that there will be another bloodborne um i think it's kind of inevitable at this point mm-hmm. um but kind of what we hope for that so uh without further ado why don't you kick off getting into the lore of bloodborne yeah so just in case um there are spoilers so we're going to walk through the kind of entire plot of the game um, so it starts out as background. There's this uh, ancient culture called the Tumerians, um, kind of like the Numenorians in Lord of the Rings. Um, so they found the, gr- the blood of these great ones, which are kind of more or less celestial creatures, and they're all unique, and some have tentacles, some look like slugs. Um, but there's basically those all ascended and there are a few that are left behind, um, but the main cast or the main characters are all trying to figure out how to ascend to this plane that these great ones are on. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the uh, great ones that was left behind is called Abridus. Um, so the, the first kind of main character that we run into is Master Willem. He's the head of this school of Bergenworth. Um, so they found blood in the uh, of the great ones in the catacombs, and this school is basically investigating these catacombs for more information. Um, another person is Carl, and she basically inscribes a visual representation of the great ones' voices. So um, more or less, just different symbols um, that mean different things. Um, so Willem didn't approve of the use of blood as like an instrument of like healing and stuff he was more uh kind of invested in insight as a way to ascend to this higher plane he talks a lot about eyes so whenever you're in the game and you hear anything about eyes and insight is kind of involved with that Um, that's why a lot of things have multiple eyes in this game um Hmm. so lawrence is the student and he basically breaks off Um, Under the tutelage of Willem and kind of forms his own thing, he believes that blood is what is needed to ascend to kind of be with the Great Ones. So he forms the Blood Healing Church um, using the old blood. Um, So Yarnum was the place where this blood or the healing church is. Um, So this you have this substance that basically has the ability to heal everything. Um, So obviously a a giant city kind of sprung up around this idea or this substance. Um, so the the healing church was kind of broken up into three sectors, the church choir, the school of Mensis, 
which is a lot of fun to play through in the game. Oh my god. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's the scarier portion of the game. It's where things really get real. And then the workshop. So the choir was kind of the high clerics, and they're tasked to kind of continue the work of Bergenworth under the head of Lor or under Lawrence. The school of Mensis was led by Mikolesh, which is a boss, actually. And it's all about experimenting. And then the workshop was for the hunters, and that was led by German. And they basically hunted the scourge, of, like the beastly scourge. Um, so there was an outbreak in Yarnum called Ashen Blood, which was a disease that killed all of old Yarnum. And uh, the blood was used to heal it. And it's, it's kind of confusing. I, I might be making a mistake here, but more or less, the blood was used as a temporary fix, but it didn't fully heal it. it Very few people have read up on the lore as much as you have. So I, th <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we're basically educating the listeners at this point. Yeah. So you're, I think you're all right. Yeah, it's something like that. Basically, the blood was a temporary thing. And eventually, using the blood, you turn into like monsters. So mm -hmm. every monster that you fight in this game used to be a human. Interesting. Which is crazy to think about. Like, is... you, you find some really ugly creatures. Because some of them, almost, they look like humans. They might just be a little bit larger. Some of them, it's just like, how did a human like come from that? Like those bug things near Bergenworth, where oh. you have a bunch of eyes. Gross. And that was under Willem. They jump was... on your head and like start sucking the life out of you. Yeah, they're trying to get your insight. Ugh. So like all the eyes, like Willem lined his skull with extra eyes mm -hmm. to gain more insight to talk to these great ones. Which is gross. I mean, it's gross, but at the same time, it is so amazing. Like, the fact that someone was able to craft and write this story and then be able yeah. to present it in a, not even like a movie, but a video game where you can kind of play through the story, it just goes back to why I love this medium, that it's truly wild. I mean, it's, and as you progress through the game, it just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, it's very Lovecraftian. Mm -hmm. um, so at a certain, kind of the middle of the game, you kill the, Rom, the evacuous spider, Oh my, we'll talk about a tough boss. Yeah, and he's he's just like this blob kind of mother spider, and you have other jumping spiders yeah. around him yeah. as he summons meteors and magic. Yeah. Yeah, describing that battle is kind of crazy. So more or less, he was holding back the true world. Um, so you, after you defeat him, you gain, you more or less gain insight to see these invisible creatures, to see the Great Ones kind of plain. Um, and then also the school of Mensis is kind of after that. Um, they were all about experimenting, as I said previously, and the school of Mensis actually ascended into the nightmare realm hmm. and to go chill with the great ones. And there's a room that you walk into with a bunch of people sitting in chairs with cages on their head. Oh yeah. And I didn't, you showed me that like maybe a couple days ago and I was because you probably just ran through, but you didn't yeah. look around. Didn't really pay close attention, which I, I I didn't do often. I mean, most of the time, I mean, I took, as I'll talk about later, very detailed looks at the areas because they are pretty fascinating and so well realized. Yeah. That was right after a boss, so it was kind of like a intermediate thing. It's probably still in the midst of crying after I beat him. Yeah. Just distraught. <laughs> the one unborn or whatever it was yeah. called. Um, so then eventually, you after you beat Mikalash, um, you get to see the Queen of Yarnum. That was that the white girl in the robe. Oh, with yeah. Blood. Um, so she used to be the Queen of the Tumerians way back in the day. Okay. Um, but she gave her... Basically, she was a surrogate for a great one. 
which is a common thing. Mm. And she gave birth to a great one named Murgo. So that like elephant thing with the blade arms. Oh was yeah, Murgo's mm-hmm. wet nurse. Not the one that came out of the moon. That thing. No, no, okay. no. This was like the black ring wraith looking thing. Oh, okay. With the, the blades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the Murgo's wet nurse. Gotcha. Um, and then, yeah, German is the head of the workshop and spoilers for all three endings. So there are three endings here. So if you skip like maybe 30 seconds in this, if you don't want any of them. But the first one is he basically, he releases you from this nightmare that you're tied to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're tied to this nightmare through the moon spirit um, who creates this nightmare realm that he's kind of stuck in. The second one is you fight German, and you end up defeating him, and then you take his position of um, basically sitting in the same kind of chair that he sits, and you uh, kind of look over at the workshop Nightmare Realm. The third option, if you eat or eat, use all the umbilical cords that you find around the oh, game, yeah. three of them, mm-hmm. you fight German, and then the moon spirit comes down, and you fight the moon spirit. Interesting. And then after you kill the moon spirit, you become a great one. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. They're they're crazy endings. Yeah. Like, yeah, the middle one, you, like, get your soul sucked out by the moon spirit, and then you become the in the Nightmare of Rome. It's really interesting. It is super interesting. I mean, I think I got the first ending because I kind of... Um, kind yeah, of- when you said you didn't fight German, I was like, dude, I texted you to just make sure you click don't yeah. accept death. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know, and then he just like, and I took a really cool screenshot. I took a ton yeah, they're of really cool screenshots. screenshots, but like, it does this like back pan out shot of you on your knees, just the, the moon in the background. There's like fog covering the moon a little bit, and this guy just has this giant like death's scythe, and he just like cuts off your head. But I did it like right as he was raising it, and your your face is down, and you just look like um, kind of beside yourself about what's about to happen. And uh, man, that screenshot is just really pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I I love scythes. They're really game. cool. Yeah. Um, you if you do the second or third ending, you actually get the scythe. Yeah. Um, to play with, and it's like a scimitar that turns into a scythe. I think I've loved scythes ever since that Castlevania game that you get you uh, on DS. Yeah. The, so I gave you two. I gave you Dawn of Sorrow, which was the Dawn first of one. Dawn of Sorrow. Yeah. Okay. My favorite's actually Portrait of Ruin because. Um, I have a love of when games have this mechanic where you can go into picture frames or, you know, enter Thanks, another Mario world. Yeah, Mario 64 and Portrait of Ruin does that. Um, and plus you have two playable characters kind of simultaneously yeah. during the game. I, so Portrait of Ruin's always been my favorite. Um, another one, I, there was actually a third one, Order of Ecclesia. That one's supposed to be like stupidly hard though. Really? Um, do you still you still have Donald Sauron Portrait of Ruin, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to play Portrait of Ruin again. That's that's a fun game. Yeah, I'll give it back to you. the DS. Yeah. Donosaur was a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of nostalgia there. Yeah. That was another one that I played with Max. We actually, we weren't allowed to play through it. And I don't know how we got two copies of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it was rated T and at the time we were too young. Yeah. It was, I don't know, bad, I guess, violent. Yeah. And uh, somehow we had two copies and we were like in his basement just playing this game in secret. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, we got too excited and accidentally like shattered, like our we sprung our legs out or something and like shattered one of his glass, like his parents' glass doors. Oh no! Yeah, I think it's when we beat the final boss or beat death or something like that. You were that. super excited and yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. 
Yeah. Uh, so any more like on the lore front? No, that's all the lore. That's okay. Yeah. So we can kind of get into um, what we like better, wh- whether it be, you know, the Souls series and that it probably includes um, Demon Souls. We should also probably say we have been playing Dark Souls 3. Yeah. Um, we didn't get all the way through. We beat most you of You have, it. though, to be fair. You've yeah. played it the whole game. I beat it twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. we, you were more more or less kind of so doing you can it. play the boss so we can kind yeah. of compare because you like leveled up the character quite a bit so you and I can kind of just experience the story and the characters yeah. um, but we just haven't had a chance to go through it yeah. um, so thanks work yeah real <laughs> life um, so yeah maybe preface this by saying if any of you for for whatever reason maybe aren't super familiar with like some of the current generation consoles of games um, these games are not for the faint of heart they're they're really pretty brutal. Um, but what I do want to say is that I feel like, you know, having played Dark Souls in college, um, you know, I didn't play through the whole game, but I got to the Gaping Dragon, which maybe is like, depending on your playstyle, around 8 to 10 hours through the game. Um, and I did enjoy my time with it, but I do feel like Bloodborne is a little bit more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. That's in no way saying that it's in any way easier, but I feel like the way the game is structured and the, the pace of your character's movements, I feel like it... Um, just is a little bit more accessible for new players if you're not overly familiar with these games or hadn't played the Souls games. Yeah, it's less turtling yeah. behind a shield. and it's, I mean, you don't have... I think there are two shields in the entire game of Bloodborne, and they suck. And it's almost like a joke, because like in it the is. first area... That you know, that almost like Doctor Jackal, Mister Hyde-looking guy has like a, a shield. And it's like just a piece of wood. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that was just the creators, um, you know, kind of like funny nod to, to veteran players, like no shields in this yeah. game. Yeah. You can use a shield. Good luck. You're yeah. gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah. that said, with you know Bloodborne being more accessible, I'm not someone who likes to swear often. Um, I was, I was told not to swear on this. Yeah, and we're not going to, but I was swearing like an Irish sailor while yeah. I was playing this game. Like, there were multiple times where I literally almost spiked my controller through a wall because you get to these points where you're out of blood vials, which are basically little health potions, and you're the person you're fighting, a main boss, literally has like one hit left, and he just he or she or it, whatever the heck it is, performs some crazy blow to you and you die. And it's just this rage moment that you have. Um, But I also, on the flip side of that, have never played a game where, you know, you deliver a final blow on a boss like Father G or Martyr Ligarius and this overwhelming feeling of satisfaction that you've persevered and beaten this boss. Like, nothing comes close. Like, no beating of Bowser or even Sephiroth. Nothing compares to defeating some of these bosses. Yeah. It's it's really similar, uh, kind of in comparison to getting that piece of armor and seeing your character change. Yeah, it's, I mean that's the closest you can kind of compare to that feeling. It's you, yes, it's you completed that. Especially in the case of Mario Legarius when you get his crown. Yes, his gold oh, crown. That is so good. I would say you know they it's they basically call it like um, fashion souls um, because there's yeah. a whole slew of different mix and match outfits that you can get in this game. Um, I'm not really sure how it compares as far as the volume of outfits compared to the Souls games, but there's definitely a plethora. I mean, there, I, there's no shortage yeah. of things. Instead that you of can, armor pieces, it's like robes and things. Yeah, just really, really pretty cool outfits that you can kind of equip. And Marta Ligarius, once you beat him, you get this golden crown with all these like little gems in it. And it just, my character, you know, <laughs> it, it should go without saying, I kind of modeled him after Aragorn. Yeah, so when sorry, he, was he named Aragorn? No, I named him um, Haldir or something like that. 
I like I was like looking on like medieval like elvish names or something <laughs> before I started the game, and I was like, what sounds kind of cool? And Haldir is what I came with or came to. Yeah, so mine's just, uh, Kame Sharia, which is God Slayer because there's a button like great ones in and, Japanese. Yeah, in, in Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, very cool. And I'm probably mispronouncing. We're not nerds, I promise. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but you know, so kind of going along with more of my my experience playing the game, it's funny because I suggested to you originally, maybe like in the beginning of the year, that you should play Bloodborne, mm-hmm. and you got a copy, and so we kind of shared some time playing it together because I'd I'd go to your house and um, we we played through a few of the bosses as we'll get to later together, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until you know about a month after that, you know, I was I was still studying for my CPA exam at the time. I think Lauren may have been hanging out with you and the parents, and uh, I needed to get out of the house. I was just you know fed up with studying and I, I went to Best Buy and was just browsing and I came across a copy of Bloodborne. Of course, it was only $20 at the time, so I, I snagged it and that was kind of my motivation. You ripped off. Why? I bought it for $10 on the PSN. Uh, well, it was for it was, it was was free for PlayStation Plus people. Um, I downloaded that too. <laughs> back in like yeah. whatever month it was. Yeah. Um, but in any case, you know, so I, I bought that and that was kind of my motivational little, little piece of whatever, you know, next to my computer, I had that, um, propped up. And anytime I was getting, you know, really frustrated with studying or I missed a question, I just looked over at Bloodborne and I'm like, I'll be playing you pretty soon. So that kind of kept <laughs> I'm me to die in you soon. Yeah. That kind of kept, uh, <laughs> kept me going. Uh, funny enough though, like even after I passed my exam, it wasn't until like two months after that, that I actually played, um, you know, Bloodborne. Yeah. You, you had to go from, to something happy before you can like, Lowered your mood with Bloodborne. Yeah, exactly. Like was, Shadow of it, War. You know, I was uh, Italian and just ripping orcs and Urukai. Yeah, shreds. and then you did Disney stuff. Played you, some Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, both of them. Um, yeah, so that was a nice, you know, chance to kind of cool my mind. And, and then you got into soul-crushing Bloodborne. <laughs> that's right. Um, but, you know, so like I was saying, uh, maybe in a previous episode and even in this one, um, I did play quite a bit of, of the original Dark Souls, and I enjoyed it. You know, it could have been my time in college when I was playing it, I didn't really have the time to really dedicate and immerse myself in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, even with that said, though, when playing Bloodborne for the first time, what immediately grabbed me was that this world, this incredibly dark, gothic, in- unbelievably richly detailed world was so much more well-realized than I felt Dark Souls was. Yeah. Um, you know, I-, I cannot even count how many times... I would stop where I was, making sure that the area was clear and I wasn't going to get wrecked by someone (laughs) from behind. Or Um, pushed off a ledge. Or pushed off a ledge. I would just take screenshots so many times because the world was just beautiful. The sky had like this orange, weird tinge to it. And another thing to note is that as you progress through the game, the color of the sky changes. Yeah. You know, which is really unique. Um, But yeah, I mean, even some of the, the, the character models, the draw distances, when you'd come to a new area, it almost looked like a... And a superly super aged Hogwarts was like in the background, yeah. you know, just really pretty, just weird looking, cool world. I mean, I, I seriously do not know of a game that is as, as well realized as Bloodborne. Yeah, because I played Bloodborne before I went back to Dark Souls three, mm-hmm. and it was the I mean, kind of my first look into Soulsborne, and um, oh my gosh, I had no like I beat this. I could not stop thinking about this game. Yeah. And even when I... I'm like, where am I going? What's the... I was so curious about the lore. And then the more I looked into the lore, it was the cooler it got. Because you're like, oh, I had no idea. Because you... I mean, 
you have to go through different items and talk to different people and there's there's side quests and stuff mm-hmm. um, but they're not super straightforward it's not like here is a menu that shows you all your side quests and i think that's what's so important about these games and so special is that nowadays there really isn't many most games are very handholdy they're like this is where you need to go by the way here's a marker on your map or like some little dust to make sure you're going the right way bloodborne i mean if you're not consulting a guide or anything it's difficult to really understand or even know where you're supposed to be going or if you're going the right way. Many times I found myself walking into an area and I was like, I'm definitely not supposed to be here. Yeah. Like I just got wrecked. I messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think, you know, kind of going back to the comparison between Souls and Bloodborne, I do feel like Bloodborne is superior in my opinion. You know, there's definitely people that feel differently about the two series. Um, and, and But I think it, it serves its purpose in being different to kind of differentiate itself from Souls because it is a quicker paced combat style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And then they accompany, accompany that with when you get hit, you have this bar that if you attack quickly after, I like that you a lot. can heal or gain some of that health back. Yeah. Which is really good like for the pace of combat. Two to three second window to be able to kind of yeah re- regain that, which is really neat. Because so was that not in Dark Souls 3 then? No, none of the Dark Souls. Interesting. It's, it's hard going back to that. You're like, oh, I hit him super quickly, and then there's no kind of gain to that. Yeah. Um, no, that that yeah, that's definitely super helpful. Um, and then also having like a full amount. like So you start with 20 blood vials. Yeah. In the Dark Souls games, you start out with like three or five or whatever, and you have to find certain items mm-hmm. to like – increase the, your pack or the amount that you can hold of estus flasks yeah and then also this you have to find different item to increase the strength of your estus flasks hmm. yeah I, I really like the blood vial mechanic and just the fact that um because you need 20 blood vials like it may seem excessive but trust me you go through 20 don't ever go to a boss <laughs> fight without 20 yeah. blood vials like you farm a little bit and get some because otherwise if you think like, oh, I have six blood vials, that'll 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 be fine. Unless you're super OP, get out of here because most blood most bosses require you to have at least twenty. Or yeah, you're I just, just twenty. Chugging right? blood. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> so no, what we're doing after this. <laughs> yeah. No, the other. Oh, negative. The other. <laughs> <laughs> this guy dropping these uh, crazy yeah, yeah jokes, but um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, and and granted. Maybe this would have been better for me if I played through all of Dark Souls and um, all of Dark Souls 3. But I <clears throat> I feel like the payoff for getting from one area to the next and kind of these these new area reveals when it's just you slowly push open these giant gated doors. And then for me in particular, I don't know what area specifically it transitioned to, but you open these doors and there's just this crazy orange skyline, these weird old rooted trees with just crows, and they just they hop off of the tree limbs, fly off in the distance towards like this age Hogwarts, and you just walk through. And I stopped in my tracks and just let that little cinematic play. It wasn't even cinematic. I mean, it was in game, real time. But the way that happened, it was just like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Like I don't play games that have that just cool of transitions from one area to the next. It just was really pretty unique. And all the areas that you walk into are completely different. Like yeah. sometimes you're in woods, sometimes you're in a nightmare realm where things eat your face. You're at a college and there's bug things, other things that eat your face as well. And then you're going through the town at the beginning. You're going through, yeah, it's just 
they're so different. Yeah, and I would just encourage any of you guys, if any of you haven't played any of the games... Start with Bloodborne. I would start with Bloodborne for sure. And with that said, I also would do your best to not consult guides unless you are literally like, I have no idea where to go. Because part of the charm of this game is is finding out on your own where you're supposed to go and then even running into a boss and maybe not supposed to be there yet, but yeah. you you still beat him. Or Father you, Gascoigne. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I was just running around because I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of exploring or ex- exploring. Yeah, and... Um, it's kind of this open area. You're like, oh, okay, there's going to be a like a place to save here. Yeah, One of no. the lamps. And then you get this like cut scene of like him stabbing someone. You're like, oh, shoot. This is not <laughs> going to turn out good. I am in the wrong area. Can yeah. I just mulligan that one and I'll come back later? <laughs> yeah. Father G was one of the hardest fights, especially so early in the game. And that really – the separated the boss, men from the boys. Yeah. Like, that was intense. And I, I went into that fight thinking that I was getting ready to come up cl- across a save point, And I had 10,000 souls or uh, blood echoes. And at the time, 10,000 was a big deal, you yeah. know. And um, it's like, yeah, like seven farming runs. With yeah, dog ex- exactly. And so I came to that fight and I was like, oh, no. And once you're in a boss fight, you're locked. There's no going back. And... I got wrecked, just wrecked, and lost 10,000. I went back, tried to fight him. <laughs> you were like, hey, I'm like, hey, how's your uh, Bloodborne playthrough going? He's like, yeah, I rage quit. I uh, I died and lost 10,000 souls to yeah. Father G. Father G, man. And I'm yeah. sure it's happened to so many people that have played the game. Father G is, his reach is ridiculous, and then you're basically in this graveyard, and we'll talk about this later, but when you try and, like, run away, you get stuck behind gravestones. It's just a mess, but... um. Last thing I want to talk about is something a little bit different or maybe unique that I wanted to do when I was playing through Bloodborne is every time I died, I, I took a tally on a sheet with like a pencil or a pen. And my my end death count was 78, which may sound like a lot or not a lot depending on how you know whether you've played the games or not. Um, but you should definitely do that. It also is telling that this is not a, a Mario game. Like you are going to die. That's part of... The, 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 not only the charm of the game, but that's part of the way the game is designed. It's designed for you to die. There's a lot of trial and error. error. But again, once you persevere and deliver that final it's blow... accomplishment factor. That accomplishment, it's it's really un... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, unmatched. Like, yeah. there's really no game out there that, that you get that feeling from. Yeah, it also made us... I mean, and, uh, for me, at least made me okay with dying in other games. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I've never... The stakes are so high because the blood echoes or souls are the main currency for everything. Yep. Buying weapons at a shop, you're leveling up. It's all based off of one currency. Yep. So if you die, those stakes in other games, if you die, it's just go to a checkpoint. Mm-hmm. It's... Or maybe lose 20 coins. Yeah. But for this, it's... Everything you've earned and everything that allows you to progress is based off of death. So if you can accept that, any other death in any other game, you're like, oh, okay, I'll go back to a checkpoint and I can just redo something. Yeah. And so we, along those same lines, what we should also say is that if you haven't played these games, let's say you go to a boss like I did, Father G, and you have 10,000 souls. Um, you die. You lose those 10,000 souls. But if you go straight to Father G... You can actually pick those echoes up. 
But if you go to Father G and don't pick them up, because there's like this like weird highlighted area where they're kind of like residing. They're kind of just there. Or yeah, or like other creatures in the world, if they kill you, they're holding them. Exactly. So like what kills you is obviously going to be something harder because you died to it. Yeah. Um, so it forces you to go all the way through the game to get back to that point and then kill the thing that killed you. Yeah. So you still have to overcome it. It's just, yeah, sometimes those are difficult bosses yeah like that big armored thing with that giant axe in the woods oh my gosh it yeah. killed me and it was holding maybe like twenty thousand souls and i was like oh my gosh i don't know if i can actually beat this guy yeah i was like well i have, I have to try so. yeah exactly because i mean they are very very precious commodity in a game where you need to be leveling up and you need to be you know purchasing new equipment so that and you, you can go through it without grinding but it's also fun to it is. do that grind yeah I mean, especially in the woods or at the beginning with the dogs. Yeah, and what you'll find too, if you know, as a, as a new player to these games, is um, similar to like a Final Fantasy or a Pokemon game. You find a, a little area that you can kind of go on, make a route, make a route where you know you know that you're going to get twenty five thousand souls by going on this run. Um, so that's that's super helpful. And what would also, you know, I, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. One of the really amazing things about this game and, and why it also is so well realized and put together um, is that everything kind of eventually loops around. You know, it's one yes. giant world, okay? But eventually you'll come up to like an elevator shaft and you'll try and pull the lever and it says it's not operable at this area. But if you go through this long, you know, string of enemies and bosses or whatever it may be, you'll end up getting to the elevator. You can ride it down. So then when you go back to your save point, that'll allow you to kind of go on this um, this grinding run um, and be able to kind of go into like a full circle using the elevator. And also like going through the entire level, opening up something, allows you to get to the boss if you die easier. Yes. So like the ele- there's an elevator at the very beginning that if you die to Father Gascoigne, mm-hmm. you can just run past two trolls and then go on an elevator and then you're basically cross the bridge and then you're at Gascoigne again. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah. So I think that's really neat because um, you know, Lords of Fallen actually is doing the same thing as I'm playing through that game, and it's it's funny that you know, Dark Souls has essentially created its own genre very much th- in the same way that Grand Theft Auto Three did back in the PS2 Xbox era. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was saying that, oh, this is just a Grand Theft Auto Three clone. Well, now you have this. It's almost like this generation of consoles is well. This is just a Dark Souls clone, or this is just a like Neo is the kind of samurai version. Right? Oh yeah, Neo and um, yeah, exactly. Lords of Fallen. Lords of Fallen. Yeah, there's like a lot of those types of games now that that share similar mechanics. So it's just, I guess, it's just a testament to the success of these games mm-hmm. um, and the way that they were structured is is pretty genius, honestly. Yeah. Um. So anything and else you want to talk to you about? Yeah. Also the weapons. So mm. oh, in yeah. Dark Souls, you have hundreds of weapons. And in Bloodborne, it might sound like a detriment that you don't have hundreds of weapons, but you have maybe 25 solid weapons. Once again, we say this, we've been saying this a lot, but fully realize it's, you have two, like a weapon that has two forms. Mm -hmm. So you have like a saw blade that is close range or it extends to like a saw sword, or you have like a mace that in the DLC that you end up putting like a chainsaw blade on. That thing's amazing. And spinning it around or a scythe that is either a scythe or a scimitar. Um, I like um, Ludwig's Holy Blade. Um, after the third boss, you can get that one and it's a sword or it's like a giant claymore kind yeah. of thing. Or like one of my favorites, even though I didn't use it, I just thought it looked awesome, was the Kirkhammer. 
So yeah. you, it starts out as a regular little sword, right? Mm-hmm. And then, or you can like stick it in, like you have this giant hammer looking thing on your back. You stick it in that. Isn't it a gravestone? I'm pretty sure it's, it's like a tombstone. I think it is. It's like a tombstone. So you have like a little sword as your shorthand weapon, or you press L1. Oh, yeah, L1. L1's that kind of make it the, the, the part two of the weapon. You stick that in your back and you pull out this giant tombstone and it's like a super heavy, heavy weapon. I mean, the animation is super slow, so if you're on a really fast boss, it's going to be tough. But if you can deliver a, a blow, man, you'll just wreck that guy. Yeah. Some or serious there's damage. there's like a cane. One of the starting weapons is a cane mm-hmm. and it turns into like a whip, oh, which is yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a mace and I think this one's... A, the end of the DLC is it's a mace or then you like stick it through your chest and it's like this giant blood tinge mace. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. And then there's like a samurai sword that has like blood tinge and blood tinge is basically like, because blood is a huge thing in this game. Um, you obviously have like a weapon type that blood tinge, you hurt yourself and you have that extra power. And then the, uh, scimitar or the, the katana Mm -hmm. is, consistently lowering your health like yeah. it hurts you while you use it but you got like that extra whippy range yeah and damage yeah i mean i know we keep saying and full, then you have guns we didn't even yeah talk oh about yeah that. guns yeah and so that's kind of like the the stun weapon you can i mean the only ones that i ever used were the hunter pistol which you get at the beginning of the game blunderbuss or the blunderbuss and the, then yeah i'm currently working on my blood tinge getting that up to level 50 kind of the soft or hard cap or whatever it is um, so there's one that has to do with blood tinge. Oh, really? And I, it looks like a, a pirate pistol. Really? It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you do all the parrying with your gun. So like if someone's coming up, it used to be in Dark Souls, you parry them as they're attacking you with your shield. And in Bloodborne, it's when they're attacking, you just shoot them. Yeah. And you'd get damage for that. And then you can do a, a visceral attack. Which is pretty neat too. Cause it's like... No one can kind of hurt... If there's other enemies in the area, none of them can actually hurt you when you do your visceral attack because it's, like, super intense. You just, like, take your sword or whatever weapon you're using and just this crazy, wicked... Jam it through their chest. Just jam it through their chest and then just rip it out. Blood's, like, everywhere, of course. Or if you're doing it on the pig run, you shove your hand up the pig's butt. (laughs) Towards the end. Oh, man. I I showed you that when you weren't even playing this game. You're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just, like, giving, like, a colonoscopy to this crazy, like, (laughs) pig-looking thing with, like, five or six eyes or whatever it has. Oh, it's way more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty disgusting looking. Yeah, that's... It's... That's really interesting. I definitely Bloodborne's better than um, Dark Souls for me. Yeah, no, I, I, man, it just really, I just really hope we have a Bloodborne two announcement in like at E three. Like I was saying, like all I want is like a fifteen second clip that it's it's being made. That's all I need. Yeah. Hey, you know? we're doing this. Just letting you know. Yeah, twenty nineteen, end of the year. Or some guy walks on stage. Bloodborne two's a thing. Yeah, and, and then it just off. leaves. Like that's totally fine with me. I just, I just <laughs> you're gonna to... die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just leave. Prepare to die more. So uh, I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, um, just drop some mic. <laughs> yeah, it's, man, game of the show. Game of the yeah. show. We don't even see any footage. Um, so I think that's pretty solid, comprehensive look at the lore and kind of what we like better. Our impressions. Do you want to get into like some of the deep dive into the bosses? Yeah, sure. Um, so we can just kind of go down and explain these bosses. So the first boss that you run into is an, also spoilers for all the bosses. Yeah, just heads up. If you haven't played this game or, and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe turn it off until you do play. If you have played, don't you're in for a treat. Yeah, so the first thing that you run into is called the Cleric Beast, and he's an optional boss. And 
I don't know how to explain. He's like a white, like tree-looking, angry werewolf thing. Yeah. Um, and he just hops out of nowhere, and you're like, you're just running to what you think is a safe place, like most of the bosses. And um, he hops out of nowhere and just sca- scares the crap out of you. Yeah, he's pretty like. Yeah, I just have a picture up on my computer. He looks pretty terrifying. It's kind of like if an ant in a werewolf just kind of, you know, made a little baby. Um, wow, that's very accurate. Yeah, isn't it, though? I mean, if you pull, like, an image of this guy up, it's seriously, like, Treebeard and, uh, I don't even know, Wolf Wolfgang. You know, no, just... um, what is that? Van Helsing. It's kind of like the werewolves from Van Helsing had very much very so. close relationships with Treebeard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much spot on. So he yeah. is pretty terrifying. Funny enough, though, he didn't give me too much trouble. I think I beat him on my, like, my second try. Yeah. Um, but he's there's no denying that he's terrifying looking. Yeah, to level up in the game, you actually have to have, like, to start out, um, you have to get one insight. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, um, yep. So by seeing this boss, you get an insight. So you could either beat him on your first time or die, and then you can level up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The next boss is... Fa- wow. Father Gascoigne. Really rough, let me just say. Yeah, he's a hunter, um, so he looks like a normal human being um, with these cool robes, and he's carrying uh, one of the starting weapons. Yeah, it's it's a hunter axe, essentially. Yeah, and um, then he has a second beastly form. Yeah, once that because you're thinking like, okay, maybe this is too hard. You get him down to half health. You trap him behind a gravestone, spin around with your hunter's axe. Yeah, then forget about it. He just turns into some wicked beast-looking creature. That can crush gravestones. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty rough. That was terrifying. The first time he just started ripping through his skin and turned into a werewolf. Yeah. I have no idea how to describe the next boss. Which one is it? The uh, Blood-Starved Beast. Yeah, um, I don't even know what that thing is. What I mean, are we looking at? Yeah, I, it, let me pull up the picture here, and uh, kind of looks like um, something from Jurassic Park when there's like little uh, oh, when the thing yeah. is like a raptor and like that little weird like ah ah ah. What is it? Is that how the goes? No, that was the guy that they ate. You know, he oh. already did the in Jurassic Park the yeah. virus, and he's just ah ah ah. Yeah, and it has like this weirdo looking like. I don't even know what you call that. It's yeah, just it looks like, like a, a bloody flaps on his face. Yeah. It's kind of like a dog thing. Yeah. You basically, you find him in this castle, and he, I think he might be actually optional. Um, but, yeah, he, he was difficult, because he poisons you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are antidotes and things. Is an optional, yeah, like I'm reading here. That is also known as the Thirsty Beast, is an optional boss in Bloodform- Bloodborne. This malformed beast has had all of the skin peeled off its back, making for a truly ah. gruesome sight. Capable of extremely quick and agile attacks, this erratic and unpredictable enemy is a truly formidable foe, whether you choose to face it alone or with other hunters at your side. So, yeah. yeah, take that for what it is. Yeah, and the next one used to be a human, and you actually see her transform, is Vicar Amelia. Okay. Um, so it's that, kind of looks like another werewolf thing, but yes. it has a bunch of like white kind of gown things flying off of it and it's like constant it like preys throughout the fight yeah um, so basically balto went off the deep end and yeah it's uh, kind of got antlers too it's kind of yeah bambi <laughs> balto, balto. <laughs> and like a dress pretty much created a love child yeah that's like, yeah th- this is balto, one Bambi in a wedding dress yeah good 
Yeah, just picture that. I think yeah. this is one of the, the bosses that you and I um, we were fighting fight, fought on to, our run through. Yeah, um, when I was kind of playing with you. But um, yeah, what a. I mean, it's gargantuan boss, too. If you're not like literally rolling around constantly, that thing will just wreck you. Yeah. Um, tough boss, for sure. Yeah. Not not overly difficult, though. You'd definitely fight some tougher ones later on. Yeah. The next one is the Dark Beast Parl. It's the electrical beast thing. Oh, Do you remember yes. That? It's, this mm-hmm. one's an optional one. Um, you can So after the Blood Starved Beast, you can um, get to this area. If there are people in a sack, like you, the dude with the sack who captures you. Oh, so yeah. So if you die um, in the Cathedral Ward, there's like, you go around, off to the right or through the front and there's a dude with a sack and if you die to him because he like hops around yeah he actually kidnaps you and you can then fight this guy early yeah um he's well, tough i mean i think he's a lot harder on new game plus my goodness um did you beat him on new game plus yes yes okay. um not not easy though um so a little description here he's a malformed beast enveloped in blue lightning with a long body made of only bones and a wrinkled covered skull People say the beast must be very old, very ancient, or perhaps is a descendant of the city of the Plague he's, of Beasts. He's very ugly. <laughs> yes, he's really pretty uh, nasty looking, for and sure. Speaking of ugly, oh. Witch of Hemwick. Honestly, maybe my favorite <laughs> boss in the game. I, it's super clever. So it's, it is. It's like a hunched over Notre Dame with eyes. <laughs> All over its body. Yeah. Like, oh my well, word. The thing is, like... When you go into this boss, there's, like, this, what, like, a black ghost thing yeah. that has, like, a, a sword, and it's walking around just kind of lackadaisically, and you, you, um, you throw, like, oh, okay, this is a boss, and you kill it, and then you're, like, oh, crap, there are two of them now. Which we did. We yeah. totally were not doing this, you know, fighting this boss correctly the first time around. And then you realize this boss is invisible, and you're running around trying to avoid these things now, and you just accidentally spawn another one yeah and then you have like three and then if you kill those you have four five yeah this is an ugly boss so essentially the purpose of the fight is she is invisible but when she moves from one area to the next there's like a three like not even three like a two one and a half second um you know time spot there where you need to quickly look around the map and see where she is then run towards her and start like hacking her and then you kill her, and then there's two of them, and you have to kill two of them. Quickly, or, like, their health starts regenerating. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. But, um, man, one of my favorite fights, just because of the, the sheer design of it is just really yeah, pretty. Really clever. Yeah, it really is. pretty um, unique. The next one are the Shadow of Yarnum. The three Nazgul. Yeah, the Nazgul. Um, With samurai this, swords. This is a, yeah, this is a crazy area. It's, a, like, really snake-based, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is a really clever fight as well. It's a lot of crowd control. It is. You need to kind of draw one er- from one area to the map to the other. Yeah. yeah. One has fireballs, one has a katana, and then one does something else that is equally difficult. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. These ring rates actually, like if you're taking time and whittling each one down, they actually have three forms. Mm-hmm. So like you kill one or you're slowly killing these, they level up. And they get more powerful weapons. And, like, snakes come out of their Nazgul-y face. And then <laughs> yeah. the next one is they, like, summon these giant snakes. And, like, the Katana guy, he gets a larger, like, range to his sword. Mm-hmm. More or less can hit you across the map. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think what we should also say too, because uh, I don't think we have so far, is that you can actually summon these like other little hunter guys before certain boss areas. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely, if you're a, a new player to these games, highly encourage doing so because more often than not, they can help whittle down the health, but more more or less, they're kind of like a... Um, they a meat shield. They're, me- they're a meat shield. So they basically will draw the attention of the boss and then you can come from behind and start whacking him and whittling down his health. If you don't want to do the like, I beat this purely by myself. Yeah. Like, I have fun doing that, I guess. Yeah. And I think I beat a majority of these bosses by myself. Mm-hmm. But it's also fun to have a different hunter. It is. There with you, hunting whatever creatures you're facing. I agree entirely. Um, this next one, I think, is the hardest boss I've faced, is Mar- or Martyr Lugarius. I, I mentioned him earlier, and you're not wrong. Yeah. He is a very difficult boss. Um, it's basically this crowned... Um, he was... What is he? He's part of the Blood Healing Church. Um, you find another guy who's he was part of the um, Executioners. Mm-hmm. And he goes to this castle, which is actually a hidden area that you can completely miss. Yeah. Um, and to kill these vile bloods. And um, that you end up getting this guy's crown, which is, for fashion soul's purposes, amazing. <laughs> it is seriously. In any outfit. Yeah, it's pretty perfect. Um, yeah, this boss really gave me a lot of trouble the first time, for sure. But the second time I beat him, I honestly don't know how I beat him in, in New Game Plus because it was, <laughs> there were multiple times, at least two or three, where I got him down to like one one more hit and I would have killed him. But he just has so many attacks where He'll like just shoot these beam of red whatever that will just completely wreck your health. Or he steps a sword into the ground and then swords just start flying out of the atmosphere. Or he'll like do like six or seven you know slashes with his scythe in a row that's just almost impossible to to get away from and you're just dead. Um, so one of the most satisfying kills from a boss when I beat him on New Game Plus. Just oh yeah. my word, so intense. Yeah, he was a lot of fun have him be older. <laughs> yeah. And then you also get like one of the strongest, the one of the only, I think only armor set in the game mm-hmm. is the uh, Kanehurst armor. Very cool. Almost like ring wraith type really. You have like one, it's kind of like Thor's new armor where he has like a robe over one shoulder. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah. Cool stuff there. Very cool. This one is a very ugly creature. Um, it reminds me of one of the homunculi in um, Full Metal Alchemist, but it's the one unborn. Yes. Is this the one that comes out of the moon? Yeah. Yes. So it's like birthed and it has a bunch of heads on it and it's got a bunch of feet. Yes. I don't know which one it is in um, Brotherhood, but it's like the green thing. Check out that picture. That is really disturbing. Yeah. What? Just like skulls everywhere. It almost looks like it's connected by tree roots, and then there's, like, a bit, like, a skeleton on top. Yeah. And then, like, at the base, um, there's got, like, it has, like, eight feet that are consistently kicking you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And especially when he crawls out of the moon, like, yeah, you, call, it, you walk upon this area, and then he just, like... Like, it just falls, like, the top skeleton falls out of, like, this goo that's dripping, and you're like, oh... <laughs> This is not what is going on. Yeah, not to I mention, didn't expect it at yeah, all. No. Like, oh, I expected like a cleric beast looking thing, but not to mention that people are like on the you know like those hilltop or rooftops like shooting Shoot fire. fire at you yeah. like, while you're trying to dodge these this crazy creatures attacks too. So <laughs> 
this game, I mean, I, you can't deny. It's just ridiculous. It's just absurd, yeah. you know, how difficult some of this stuff is. But, man, if you could come back the to number that. number of nightmares. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Then, the, speaking of nightmares, um, in the nightmare, Mikolesh. Yes. The cage-headed guy. Really weird-looking thing. Um, so, yeah, he... Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's got like a crazy look on his face that you can see, and then he's got like this giant, maybe like two foot cage contraption. Yeah, that he used to get into the nightmare realm. Yeah, and not only that, you get you get that weirdo looking cage two foot cage thing that you can put on your head um, after you defeat him. So that's that's kind of yeah. And cool. He shoots like tentacles, and he. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so he has this one move, one attack that he has. Like if you get too close to him, he basically his hand just turns into like this giant octopus tentacle thing that will just wreck your body. Yeah. Or he'll have like this. He'll like start like twitching, and like twenty like orbs will like come out of his face. You can actually do that. Like he, it's it was like harnessing the energy of a dying star is the description. Oh really? And it's yeah. I think you have to have forty. Um, on one of the skills, but you can actually do that, and it's really cool. Because it... I, it looks amazing. It looks amazing, but it'll also just destroy your you health bar. One, hit. Yeah. one shot. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, the next thing is the wet nurse. Uh, Murgo's wet nurse. So it's like a ring wraith. It has, like, eight arms, and it's got, um, like, I don't know, scimitars with each hand. I'm, like, looking this up, because she's not on my list of bosses with pictures here. Yeah. Um... You remember oh, yeah. that thing? Yeah, I it's, remember that. It's thing. like an elephant ring wraith with scimitars, and she's pretty. Yeah, and then she summons a second one. Yeah, it's a. It's very intimidating. It's not terribly difficult if when it summons a second one, you just run around the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, super intimidating, though. Yeah, um, and then getting into we didn't you didn't do all the bosses or like. No. Find all the optional ones. I did not, no. Um, so we're kind of just going through the ones that we have both done. Um, so then getting into the DLC, Ludwig. What I will encourage people to do, though, is explore, explore the DLC before you beat the game. Because if you go into the New Game Plus and you go into the DLC like I un- unfortunately did. Good job. Some of those bosses, especially like the last two that we're probably going to talk about. They'll be about, less fun. They will be a lot less fun because you're just... Rage quitting. I mean, the one that is Ryan's favorite, I just couldn't beat because she was just too challenging. Yeah, so, so I w- what I'm doing, I still have two bosses left. One, I'm afraid to fight the last one, um, the Orphan of Koss. It's the last one in the DLC. And then there is, he's got like an umbilical cord. Yeah, you should look him up. And um, he, he's just an ugly thing. And the other Ew, one is yeah, um, Lawrence, and he's like a fire cleric beast without a head. Good. Um, and he like he spews lava out of his backside, which is usually Taco Bell. So Ludwig, <laughs> and uh, so Ludwig is the first boss that you run into at the DLC, and um, he's like a horse thing. Mm-hmm. And he his second form, you get the Moonlight Greatsword. Yep. Which is what I'm actually holding in our cover. So Yeah, the, the, the logo. Yeah. So very cool. He, he's a really interesting boss. It's I, his I face of, looks kind of deformed. Yeah. He was part of the workshop 
and that's why you get Ludwig's um, Holy Blade is the thing that I use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is actually off of him. Okay. And he was the leader of that kind of battalion. Very interesting. Um, and then the next thing is what my boss calls me. It's the living failures. <laughs> Gotta love it when your boss calls you a living failure. Yeah. No, it's not. That's true. what my wife calls me. Yeah, that's what Lauren calls you. <laughs> the living failures. Oh, man. No, um, yeah, this is like like round-headed trolls. Like almost like ugly minions. Yeah, they're really gross that, looking. like summon meteors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was super tough. I mean, New Game Plus, like, I almost, it took me, like, three or four tries, but, um, wow, was that, that boss challenging, because they just keep respawning, you know, and they keep popping up, and when, this is also similar to the, those three Nazgul bosses, yeah. um, you kind of have to control, control. control the area, and there's a tree in the center, so you kind of have to, to get around one area so you can whack one while the other one's like shooting shards at you because the tree will, will essentially block that. Um, but it's still challenging because there's so many that it's, it's tough to, you know, control the map when there's like five or six of them there. So, yeah. um, but and fun then, fight nonetheless. And then last one, I wish you could have played this on just regular new game, um, is Lady Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my favorite fight in the entire game. Yeah. Um, she's a hunter. Um, I, I guess we can move into our favorite bosses. Yeah, we kind of covered. Sure, yeah, she's, go ahead. She's basically a hunter, and um, she has a decently cool outfit. Um, but she uses uh, what is it like a what like a dagger mm-hmm. and a blade? Yep. I don't know the name because it's a really weird name. Um, but she is actually part of the Canehurst. Yeah, she's a vile blood, which is where um, you fight Martyr Legarius. And, um, so she never, she actually, the vile bloods use blood tinge, which is that, um, using blood as like a weapon. Mm-hmm. And she kind of refused to do that and kind of cast aside the whole Kanehurst thing. Yeah. Of more or less being a vampire race. And then like midway through this fight, she like, you go through her first form and then she kind of gives in. Yeah. And she starts mm-hmm. using blood as a weapon. Yeah. And you see, it's. Like, you still have this, they're the exact same attacks, but you get this whippy kind of blood after thing. Yeah. And then you get further in there, and then it's, like, the blood tinge with these, like, whip blood, and then it's on fire. And it's yeah. just, it's a beautiful fight, and then as far as, like, fighting hunters, which you do the entire game, it's just, it's so well done. She kind of looks like, if you ever played Assassin's Creed uh, Liberation on the Vita, which, <laughs> there's probably, like, Five all two people, all two people in the world, including myself. Um, she kind of looks like that. She has like this really cool, I don't even know, like almost pirate hat and like this almost old school 1700s Renaissance outfit that just looks really pretty neat. Um, but yeah, she is brutal on New Game Plus. I, I really do wish I could have kind of experienced her true, you know, self in the, yeah. the original game without. And having... she's she's actually guarding the thing that I mean, you have to get past her, obviously, which you haven't on New Game Plus. But she's guarding this fishing village, hmm. and um, when you poke her, um, she was actually the doll in the workshop was made after her. Okay, I can German see that. loved this chick, I believe, or I guess that's what the lore suggests. And um, German and her more or less went and poked the body, or like Koss. Interesting. That, 
like the great one that died. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go up to her in the fight, um, she says you shouldn't disturb the dead because the the cost more or less corrupted the fishing village that you go to after. That's so cool. And like they kind of separated after this disturbing of this dead corpse or mm-hmm. this great one. And that's why like German had this doll that kind of represents Lady Maria. And that's the whole, I mean, it's the stuff that you would never know playing through the game. Well, that's what I love is that there really isn't a whole lot of exposition, but if you want it, it's out there. You can read into that lore and it's, it's really pretty astonishing how fully developed these characters are and their backstories. I mean, everything really has a purpose. There's yeah. just, there's a story behind it. You just have to read into it. Um, this is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, what's your do you, you want to just kind of go down, or is that, is that just your favorite boss? Uh, yeah, that's my favorite boss. Okay, so I have three. I just want to, like, quickly bullet list here. Okay. Um, Witch of Hemwick, just for the sheer uniqueness and weirdness of that boss. Um, if you're able to get in closer, you can just go online and look at an image. It's it's pretty horrific, t- terrifying looking. Um, Father yeah. Ligarius. Um, yeah, that was a er, Father, Martyr Ligarius. I keep saying Father. Martyr Ligarius, just because he <coughs> looks like... Um, Almost like a, a ring wraith without the robes. Just yeah. kind of like the really gross, thin, straggly looking hair with this gold. Ring wraiths didn't actually have a form. Well, yeah, but when when uh, Frodo goes into his, oh, he puts okay. on the ring and you can yeah. see him without the robes. And it's like this yeah. really gross looking thing. He kind of looks like that. Um, but the, the gold crown really just kind of solidifies him as being an awesome boss, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is just the Shadow of Yarnum because it's essentially like three Nazgul's coming towards you with Anything samurai Anything Lord of the Rings related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially a really cool area is after you defeat, you know, so there's the one pig um, and then the two pigs that we would grind in the area towards the end of the game. Yeah. You know, and then when you kind of start, you, you kind of kill the three pigs there, three little pigs, you know, and... Um, Except they're very ugly, have like, 40 eyes yeah, the three little pigs went off the deep end. They really <laughs> let themselves go over the years. Yeah. Um, but essentially, you know, like when you work, walk a little bit further, you just see like these four Nazgul-looking characters slowly walking down the steps towards you. And yeah, it's like the, a gang of Nazguls. Three just, of them have like these crazy samurai swords, and the other one's like blowing fire at you. It's like truly terrifying. And it's crazy in that area, pre-pig, it, you actually have to fight the three Nazguls that were a previous boss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're purely calling them Nazgul's at yeah. this point. <laughs> but, oh gosh, just going back to some of the character designs. So, in the beginning of the game, you'll see that there are these weird-looking crow things that essentially can't fly. Their wings are broken, so they, like, flap around and essentially try and peck and eat you. Yeah. Excuse me. And then there are these crazy fast dogs running around. Well, towards the end of the game, you'll find um, crows with dog heads and dogs with crow heads running around. And it's just so weird that they, you know, flip-flop those designs. But yeah. it, it's just terrifying. It's almost like Toy Story when you have, like, a little Barbie legs with, like, a uh, duck head or whatever the heck. Or um, what was it, like, the little um, mechanical spider thing that with had... The baby head. With a baby head that had, like, was like, missing an eye and hair. Yeah. Like, it's like that. It's just super terrifying and weird. I just, I just love it's it. It's so unsettling, and then you have the color and the atmosphere, and then there's the music to go along with it. You walk up on these things, and then they start barking at you or, like, like flying around. You're like, oh, my... What is going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really not surprising to me at all, having played through the game now, that it's your favorite game of all time. Um, I don't think it's cracked the top 10 for me, but without a doubt, it's top 20. 
um, just because the 10 that are there are really kind solid of, and probably aren't going to move. Yeah, I mean, they're really special to me um, for different reasons. But Bloodborne, you know, it's it's certainly up there, and it's just a, it's really a magnificent game, and I just would really encourage you guys to, if you haven't played any of the Souls games, start with Bloodborne, or if you played the Souls games and haven't, and what, whether you didn't like it or you, you did like it, by, by all means, play Bloodborne. It's cheap, it's mm-hmm. great, It's you're not going to regret it. Um, so let's get into what we want to see from the future of Bloodborne. Dude. I don't know if you have any specific thoughts you want to go through. Yeah, so at kind of the start of the lore, I mentioned the Tumerians, which is kind of that ancient civilization. Um, I hope that, I don't know if I, it's a good idea thinking on it more if they do a prequel. Oh, but if yeah. they could do the Tumerians and you have people running around and then you have the queen and then you have the start of all of those, like the scourge of the beast mm-hmm. and you have, I mean, you more crazy weapons that you get to kind of explore through. But if they can do the start of like the blood healing church and throughout the game have that progress. So like just realize the lore in game form. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool, or just go to a, like a new city because I'm sure. I mean, blood healing was a thing in Yarnum, but if we could like go through with great ones all around, mm-hmm. you know, could imagine seeing those more so than like in Upper Cathedral Ward. Yeah, I don't think you ever fought um, a Breedus, but in he's underneath the cathedral. Okay, wait. You like fall down and you can fight him. Like, okay, you go down an elevator. Yeah, but like. Know. The, I mean, they're all really unique. You fought the nightmare. Yes. So, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they can show more of those, or like the moon spirit, they're just crazy different. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be really cool. Nice. Yeah, I don't have anything specific, actually. Uh, I was going to kind of let you kind of steer that question. Um, I want more of the same, more than anything. I mean, right. I, I, I really don't think they really needed to mix up the formula too much. I think... The formula is solid. From a gameplay perspective, outside of the in-game gameplay, is just load times. I mean, I feel like that can certainly be better, uh, and I think it and will that, be. And that's improved with the newer kind of generation and the new power that they have. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think if they can kind of clean that up, give us a new area, just give us more weird. I want more weird. Yeah. Like, just some of the stuff that I was just like, ugh. Like, Lauren can attest. Like, I'd just be like, what is that? What is <laughs> What? You know, just, like, really yeah. bonkers-looking things. Uh, I, want, I just want more of that. And um, I want to be unsettled while I'm trying to relax. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, more of the same. I think a prequel is a great route if they decide to go that direction or just a new city. I don't want to be in Yarnum again just because we've been there. We've, we've played through that, and I love it because of it, but I don't need it to be oversaturated. So let's let's go elsewhere and... And I have no doubt that whoever is behind Bloodborne 2 will will definitely suffer, not uh, disappoint. Yeah. So, um, I think it's going to be a great game. And hopefully it, they announce it like we've been begging them to previously in this episode. <laughs> to yeah. re- give us anything yeah. at E3. Yeah. So is there anything else around Bloodborne you want to talk about? No, just go out and play this freaking game. Please, people. It's so good. So we can kind of wrap up the episode here. Thank you all for listening. Epi- four episodes in. This is a good time. I think Ryan and I are... Loving what we're doing here. I mean, this is no different than what we were doing when we weren't recording. We were still talking about video games like crazy people. These are, yeah, these are the exact same conversations we're having anyway. Yeah, so uh, we're glad or we hope that you guys continue to enjoy the content that we're putting out. Um, if you have any feedback or questions like Benny wrote into the show, you can write into otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. The link is in the show notes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at relewis2011 if you also want to 
shoot any questions out there or um, I'm providing all updates if we have schedule changes or maybe show topics. I kind of announce that in advance on Twitter. So definitely give me a follow so you can kind of have all that stuff in one one spot uh, for you guys. But any closing thoughts, Ryan? No, just keep on gaming and play Bloodborne. Awesome. So episode five, we might have something super special planned. So stay tuned for that. Um, of course, you can, you'll, you'll hear it next Monday and I'll probably have an, uh, an announcement later in the week here for you guys too. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all Thanks. next time. All right. Take it easy. See you.